Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hi, it's Killian here. Weeknights from 10 with new music, some flashbacks, and a bit of chit chat as well. That's the late shift with me, Killian, on Cork's Red FM. Okay, many of the papers today talking about uh, Northern Ireland. Um, everybody appealing for calm on both sides of the border and indeed in the UK. Uh, they had to turn water cannon on crowds yesterday and last night. That's the first time in a long time since they did that. So that dominates many of the papers today, as does yesterday. Big day yesterday. It took 100 days, well, 101 days, to be honest. Uh, since the first vaccination to vaccinate one million well no not to vaccinate one million people that would be wrong but to give the one million vaccine some of them are second doses but we have passed a milestone anyway if nothing else uh, a million vaccines jabbed in 101 days and there's a lot of good news actually hospital numbers and I'm not talking about ICU I'm just talking about people in hospital with COVID related issues 209 I mean that's that's an incredible number they figure now and, and there's been a 95% drop in cases people over 75 and a huge decline in the amount of people in hospital settings for COVID and a lot of that has to do with people's efforts for sure uh, but also vaccinating uh, the elderly and uh, those that are vulnerable. But uh, certainly there's a lot more work to do. I read in some paper this morning that the R number is somewhere between 0.7 and 1.1. And that's not bad at all, because like, chances are at this stage, even you know, since they went to print talking about that, that could well be below one. And that's great. I mean, very, very effective fight against COVID as we turn it now. And effort, of course, dampen it by saying, oh, we're, you know, we're not there yet. And, you know, it's not time to be really, to be relaxing anything apart from county travel on Monday. And OK, we can, we can live with that. But the milestone's been passed and there's been a collapse in the amount of people uh, who have uh, been testing positive or indeed uh, those numbers are reflected on a daily basis. So that's very good. Meanwhile, there's this uh, Israeli worker who came in who had to go straight into quarantine in spite of the fact that she's had her jabs and also had a negative PCR test. She wants to come to Cork to work in Cork and be with her partner, Zachary Kelly. So that makes many of the red tops on the front page this morning. Uh, Why would you have to go into quarantine if you've already been vaccinated? Is it because it doesn't matter? The fact that you came from a red list country sends you straight in, but... Why would you do it if you've been vaccinated and have a negative PR, a PCR test? And then there's a Brazilian woman who makes the star this morning. It says she's spending 1,850 euro for 14 nights in a Dublin quarantine hotel that is filthy, disgusting and inhumane. You see, because people now have their mobile phones, a different world now where you can post and you can tweet and you can share and you can put up photographs and comments in, in real time. But there are 10 people now who've been in quarantine who went on to test positive for COVID-19. And there's a school in the in Dublin getting a bit of grief. The mail says because they've just sent out, uh, uh, I suppose it was a letter, might have been an email, I'm not quite sure, just warning uh, parents and family as to what is the right and the wrong type of shoes and footwear. <laughs> you can't, you're like, you think they'd be saying, we can't wait to have you back. It's going to be so exciting. But no, out goes the email where the school gives the parents a bit of a kick in about what's acceptable and what isn't. And parents tearing their hair out trying to buy shoes that'll, that'll even fit in the first place. They're all back uh, on uh, April 12th. There's a Cork GP, Nula O'Connor, doing great work at the Elmwood Medical Practice. And, and I touched on this subject yesterday, that GPs are getting grief uh, from patients. And she reminds them, don't, um, you know, don't be 
given your local GP or your doctor any grief. It's not fair to be taken out lack of vaccines on your GPs. They're doing the best they can. Unfortunately, then, many, many babies are missing all of their markers, all of their health checks. And that's a story in the examiner this morning. Something I may well come back to later on today. Debenhams in the UK, they've got 97 closed stores. They intend opening them on Monday just to clear, I suppose, the fire sale, just to clear all of the stock before they close them again. Don't know if that's planned for Cork. We can find out. But 97 of them will open on Monday. Uh, They'll clear all of the stock and then shut it down permanently again right across England and Wales. That party house uh, up around the College Road, you heard it in the news there, uh, where the landlord was brought to to court and was told, uh, if it doesn't stop, pal, there's a fine of a grand or 12 months in jail. That's been reversed in the High Court now. I suppose he had that hanging over him. If they figure, and his solicitor figured, that the um, Permanent Residency Tenancy Board is the way to go and not to have this hanging over the landlord that he could be cool in his heels in jail for a year. I kind of half understand that, really. You know, trying to do the best he can. I suppose, what else do you do except evict students and put in families instead? That results in no more parties, right? But house demand is soaring. Um, So the demand for houses is soaring and the price of houses is soaring. That's something that I hope to return to and talk about on Monday. And this is even in rural areas now. We're not talking about Dublin just being the only place where it's racing ahead. It's all over the country. In fact, uh, this morning the Mirror says that rural areas of Ireland are outstripping Dublin with regard to demand and house prices. And of course, because more and more people will be working from home. I got a response to an email this morning that I'd never seen before. It doesn't matter what the content of the email was. The person that I was returning the email to was off today. But instead of getting one of these reminders saying, you know, in the old days it would be, I'm away from the office till Monday. Do you know those kind of emails? Well, it wasn't that. She said, I'm away from my kitchen table (laughs) till Monday. I thought it was very different. I thought it was kind of quirky. And a man who's uh, doing the business on Instagram a lot these days, Roy Keane, he dug out his 1991 debut Irish shirt yesterday. (laughs) He's got a great sense of humour, Keane, hasn't he? He really does. And he's wondering on Instagram why it doesn't doesn't fit. (laughs) It's tighter. I suppose it's because it's been in the wash, Roy, a few times. Because, my man, you look just as good as you did back in 1991. Um, The one thing about when you stop playing sport, I suppose, is you have to look after the bod. And that's something that Keane certainly has done. But he's very self-deprecating on social media. And I love that. Don't remember it being this tight is the little tagline on it. If you're not following Keane on Insta, you should. The Neil Prenderville Show. No, but seriously, a story that was breaking uh, overnight and Paul Byrne is a across its other media correspondent with Virgin Media News out of West Cork and he joins me by phone. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. It involves a, a hospitalised Garda. Why? What happened? Um, Garda in West Cork in the drugs unit, they had uh, information, intelligence they had gathered that there was going to be a transaction and they set up an operation in Baltimore and West Cork around uh, 8 o'clock last night and they noticed that a car pulled up, another man walked towards the car and as the transaction was taking place, my understanding is that the uh, drug uh, squad moved in. Now, the car uh, attempted to take off, but in doing so, a member got caught in the car and she was dragged for about 100 feet along the road. Now, at one stage, the car swerved and the member was able to free herself at that stage and um, was taken to hospital. She was taken to Bantry General Hospital, but later transferred to Cork University Hospital with um, leg injuries. The injuries are not life-threatening, but it just goes to show the dangers they put themselves in uh, morning, noon and night, really. Okay, and hopefully she'll make a 100% recovery 
but that is, of course, the risk they take going about their job. Um, what was there a drug? Did, was there a drug bust? Anybody taken into custody resulting in that? Yeah, there was one man arrested. He's in his 30s. He was arrested in Baltimore at the scene and they got cannabis. They seized cannabis worth around five, four to five thousand euro, my understanding, and also about three and a half to four thousand euro in cash. Now, in a follow-up search in Skibbereen just after midnight, they seized the car which they believed to have been used in the incident and they also arrested another man. He's in his 30s. Both of them are in Bandon Garda Station where they're being held under the drug trafficking legislation. They can be held for up to seven days. Now at that stage the guards must either charge or release them obviously after the questioning period uh, or even before it uh, expires they may send the files to the DPP and uh, the DPP may decide to press charges there and then. So they could appear in court uh, you know Tomorrow, the next day, our files could be sent to the DPP at a later stage for, for prosecution. But, um, you know, some people might say um, a small amount of cannabis, but in that operation last night, this member in her 30s, seriously injured. Nobody goes to work um, thinking that they're going to end up in hospital and hoping that they won't end up in hospital. But it, it just goes to show that this is the line of duty. And it's, you know, these people who deal in drugs, they'll do anything to get away from yeah. um, the guards. And do you know, was it a part of her clothing or was there an arm caught in a window? I mean, do you know? I, I'm, I'm not sure. You don't I, I genuinely don't know. I just All I know is that she managed to free herself after being dragged along the road for about 100 feet. Um, you know, but while it's not life-threatening, you are saying that there are serious injuries, yeah? Yeah, serious leg injuries, I understand, oh, you know, because the fact that she was initially taken to Bantry and then transferred to CUH, it just goes to show that, you know, it, the injuries were more severe than initially um, uh, thought. You know, Neil, one other thing, you might have a lot of people coming on here this morning afterwards saying, ah, five grand's worth of cannabis, Mickey Mouse, small amount of stuff, but any amount of drugs, no matter how big or no matter how small, once they're taken off the streets, it's a good thing. And also the cash that, you know, these guys are making from, you know, they're living the high life at, uh, at other people's expenses, swanning around in luxury, high-powered cars, having a, the life of Riley. Ah, yeah, but that's way up the food chain, isn't it? No, you've got small-time dealers as well who are making, like, I mean, there was a man last night, you know, there's four or five grand in cash. It's, you know, you don't come across that. You're not going to earn that in a day in a yeah. normal job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know the people. I think what people, what I notice a lot these days with cannabis on air is those who are advocating that the only way you'll stop the dealing is by legalizing it and licensing it, you know? Now, I'm not talking about heroin and coke and ease no, and stuff like that. that. I'm talking about cannabis. That, that seems I know, to... and it's a, it's a debate that's been going on yeah. for years and years. And like some people say, legalize cannabis um, and then that they might try the harder drug instead yeah. because yeah. sometimes people get a thrill out of buying stuff on the street and smoking it in the back alley or in a bedroom with the lads and whatever like that. But we were in court the other day for a story and it's like a lot of people will criticise judges and the justice system and the guards but there was a guy inside in court the other day he was caught in possession of cannabis five quids five euros worth of cannabis right and I'm just saying to myself and this is a daily ritual would you be myself, bothered like what, what a complete and utter waste of time it, it, it wasn't the guards fault it wasn't the judges fault it's the justice system's fault my, my, understand, my thought on that is when a guy is caught with we'll say five quids, 20 quids worth of cannabis. 
for his own personal use. He should be made pay an on-the-spot fine on that night with, say, 100 quid. If he can't afford it, call his mother and father or call his wife or call her husband, whatever, whoever's caught. Make them pay on the spot. Just imagine the guard who caught your man that night with five quid's worth of cannabis. He arrested him. He took him to the bridal guard station. He was tied up. He was off the street for a couple of hours processing the prisoner, going through the paperwork. It then goes to court and it might have cost the state, I don't know, just put a figure, just say five grand in in, in time and paperwork and everything. Files done to the DPP. It's absolutely crazy. And it's not, you know, he, he, and then again, of course, like this guy, could have got a conviction. Luckily for him, he was fined a couple of hundred quid and given the Probation Act. Um, but I just think Mickey Mouse amounts of cannabis. Now, sorry, I, I suppose I'm contradicting what I said earlier. It's a good day, any amount of drugs off the street. But this small amount of cannabis, we should be bringing fellas in, locking them up for an hour until they, they pay. No, I mean, it's, the, it's when you get up around, I mean, you did a report during the week, a very good report on, on, on Virgin News with regards to the homeless, right? Um, because mm-hmm. and when, you, when you talk of homeless, unfortunately, a lot of them have already got up to Addiction. using and abusing heroin, right? Yeah. And yeah. then there's no rehab. Now, and, and, and I watched your report and I saw you talk with people who literally are on the streets all day hoping to get a bed at 11 o'clock in the Simon. Mind you, the proposed new build for Simon and Alpha Street will help that somewhat, won't it? We don't maybe seventy or eighty different apartments of different shapes and sizes. Yeah, there's seven. There's a planning application got in for seventy-eight units inside in uh, Alfred Street and then Railway Street. That's just near St Patrick's Church. Um, going into those units will be people who are coming out of the homeless system. They've gotten off the streets. They've been given a chance to live independently. And there's also people going in there who are just classed as the new homeless. People who had a home and lost it through no fault of their own, but maybe, you know, just the, the recession and bad times. But we need more and more places for people who are on the streets. And again, I know a lot of them have addictions, but they need, you know, these addictions need to be addressed. Look at the amount of vacant properties, buildings, that could be transformed into units for the homeless people. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, you know something? I asked somebody the other day again. Uh, they wouldn't say this publicly. I said, is the political will there to solve this? And they said, no. There is no political will to once and for all end the homeless crisis. They just swan about doing A, B and C politicians. And they, they, this person really said homelessness is bottom of the list. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be talking so about uh, derelict properties on the air on Monday, actually. So that'll be something we'll come back to. There are literally hundreds and hundreds. And some of them are quite large, actually. Very, very big properties. We'll I remember at one I'm... stage there was talk about the old Cork prison on Rathmore Road. You know, there were state-of-the-art kitchens in there. And I know, like, you don't want to put people into a prison-type environment. But with a little bit of imagination, the old car prison could be transformed into uh, residential units for homeless people. The, 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 I know that, but the only thing that I've noticed, actually, at, at the weekend again in particular, down around the boardwalk, down around where Simon is, there was a real pa- big party going on with maybe 20, 30 people who were all there. It made the area a no-go area, and this was on a Saturday afternoon. Um, that's what happens adjacent to Simon facilities, unfortunately. Is the same likely to happen around Railway Street, where quite an amount of people who are down on their luck or, you know, with various addictions. I wouldn't think will, so. Will ga- I wouldn't think so. Well, they do, they, you're using, out. well, but they are using the, the Miriam's Bridge is a bit of a no-go now as well. Do you, why do you think not? 
Uh, these are people who have managed to come through the system, who okay. have maybe um, gotten clean and who are trying to get their life back in track, back on track. So hopefully it will just be like a, a block of apartments, you know, like all the blocks of apartments around the area, you know, that these people will be able to come and go and live their lives. Um, you know, look, unfortunately, there are some people who just don't want or who can't seem to get help or who can't help themselves. The addiction is gone so far. Um, yeah, that's why Katrina Toomey always talks of rehab, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and the thing there then is, yeah, of course, trying to get into rehab, you have to be clean for so many weeks and urine samples have to be free of drugs. And I mean, it, it's, it's a catch-22 situation. You want to get off the stuff, but you can't get in there until you're off the stuff or, you know, it's... Um, and it do, as I said a while ago, it doesn't take a genius to work things out. We, we can solve the homeless crisis, you know, uh, genuinely. I mean, just if you have vacant properties... It loses, use it or lose it. If there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice one as always. Okay. Thanks for taking the call this morning. Covered a lot Good of ground. Luck. Paul Burns, Southern Correspondent with uh, Virgin Media News. You can text 0868 104 106 on that. I see text coming in already. Uh, and pick up the phone on 1850 104 106. But let me remind you, today is Friday. Of course, you know that, unless you get confused. I get confused with the day sometimes, don't you? I mean, you would do, particularly when there's a long weekend thrown into the mix. We're kind of 24 hours off. But anyway, today, is Friday and it's another free food Friday courtesy of ourselves an Oak Farm Pizza so we will have three winners again today each winner will receive four pizzas and two sides each and they're the large pizza vouchers you can get piping hot pizza then uh, with use of those vouchers all you need to do is text who you are and where you are if you're working from home if you're in the office if you're on the road if you're homeschooling whatever the case may be who you are and where you are to 0868 104 106 Call the Neil Prenderville Show now 1850 104106 Red FM Yes indeed, yesterday I was talking on the air about from next week, that's when City Council will start the work on a huge big change in Cork City, one of the biggest changes you're going to see in a long long time and that is permanent pedestrianisation of many of our streets and actually starts next week uh, and I was mentioning that on the air yesterday, we got a good response to it uh, more and more permanent canopies need to be erected in all of those chosen locations says John, where are people going going to park um, to access all of this. If they do it in McCurtain Street, they'll push the traffic onto other roads, which can't take the volume, and then the fun will start for all of the residents. Uh, well, we have many multi-stories, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, I suppose. It's going to be good for the city. The city council deserve great credit for making that decision, says Kevin. Uh, Peter says, this will change the whole look and feel of Cork. It will bring it in line with other European cities. It will encourage more and more people back shopping, spending in the city. So incredibly excited about this move and where our city is heading. Yes, says Peter. It's certainly in the right direction, right? It's all about the people. And I think you need to prioritise people over mechanical vehicles in the city, if at all possible. I suppose you could be looking at more use of buses. We might eventually at some stage get some like, if we start like this, then ultimately all the good things will follow, one will hope, including some kind of rapid light rail system. Why do we have to be the same as every other European country, says Cynthia? And what about people who aren't mobile? Where do we drop them off as consideration be given to them? Just wait and see the traffic jams, and then they will reverse it and go back to normal. And Hugh also says it's not acceptable. There appears to be no plan for parking or ease of access for OAPs and people with disability. 17 streets is just too many. People want to do more than just eat in the city, you know. Bicycles and coffee out in the rain. Ease of access parking like South Mallon, Morrison's Island will all be reduced. 
um, you know, as in, I don't know how I don't know how you mean by that. I mean, are you talking about that there will? Yeah, there is a boardwalk going in along um, the Morrison's, Morrison's Island area, and that will take some parking out. Except the point, if that's what you're making. I've, I've always been a massive fan of car-free, pedestrianised cities. Not sure how outdoor dining will work with the Irish climate, though. Uh, that's just and there's reams of these texts. But I want to get back to our phone calls on this one and just get the perspective actually from Liam Edwards, who's a, a fine restaurateur down in Kinsale, although. It's been closed for quite some time now. He joins me by phone. Liam, good morning. Good morning, how are you doing? And I suppose you want to give the thumbs up and congratulate Cork for, you know, getting with the programme. Yeah, it's a brave move. You know, it's a great incentive. I, I think what's happening globally is is a move towards um, traffic-free um, town centres and city centres. So I think Cork has been very, very progressive. Because obviously have to, there's a traffic plan there, I, I presume, that we haven't seen yet. And That's the only negativity I'm seeing in text yeah. so far is, you know, traffic, yeah. accessibility... Parking, yeah, but, you know. Yeah, but I, 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 I presume they have something in place that they're going to increase the parking around the areas. But um, I do think it, it is, and it's not just for hospitality. I think retail will benefit from it as well. You know. So I suppose it kind of brings me on to a town like Kinsale, where again last year the council were very proactive. They gave us a temporary um, closure of streets, but I feel in the last twelve months it stalled. Like we're we're looking to get temporary closure again this year, but. I suppose the big the big word is temporary, you know, and it's very hard to invest on outdoor dining when you know when you're not sure it's going to be year in year out. But surely they have some plan in mind because it's out. Say the likes of Kinsale now will be accessible from Monday. Now I appreciate that not for food, but at some stage it will be, and it will start with outdoor dining. What is the plan? Well, the plan, I suppose, is, look again. Look, it's the same as last year. Really, they have they did close off streets last year. They closed off okay. the new streets and they closed off. Um, more streets over the weekend so I mean there is a plan in place but I suppose what we're crying out for again is something like in a smaller scale of what's happening in Cork City a permanent closure of roads and a traffic plan for Kinsale that would you know that would obviously with closed roads there's a big traffic congestion but um so I think you get you well. get hit with the right bottleneck when you come down past um, when you come down into Kinsale and say uh, you, you know you, you hook a left for the key that you get you get caught there by Perryville, don't you? You do, and I think what's happened as well last year, and I think it was really evident last year, was because of the staycation and because you know if you had a fine sunny day, seventy percent of traffic busy in all of Kinsale was well, seventy percent of traffic just wanted to get through Kinsale and hit hit the beaches, and I think you know a relief road is is the answer to. Most problems I don't know about that. I think even if you did go to the beach, you would still want to go. I mean, I would always want to go through Kinsale anyway, particularly on a beautiful day, and drive down the quays and pass the boats and see all the alfresco dining. It, it for me is kind of part of the trip. Yeah, but I suppose you'd be three screaming kids at the back of the car. And, uh, <laughs> Forgot about them. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> You're the practical one, you see, Liam. That's it. I'm the romantic. <laughs> Anyway, listen, uh, bring it on, says you. Have you a date? Yeah. Will you be getting in touch with suppliers and staff and things like that? Could be yeah. mid-May. Again, we're, look, we're, we're just holding tight. Um, I've just seen there recently where the 14-day instant rate in Bandit can sell is zero. So there's great positive signs. But it's just we're holding tight. We're waiting for the government to give us the green light. But it is looking like it's outdoor dining first. But 
indoor dining is where we want to be, you know. It's That's indoor it. and outdoor is where we want to be. But That's it. Hopefully that will happen at the end of the Bring day. Bring it on. Good to catch up. Mind yourself. Looking forward yeah, to seeing you all again in Kinsale. Liam Edwards from Edwards in Kinsale. But one of the people who was very much behind the push for Al Fresco and for outdoors was Paul Montgomery. And Monty, of course, says Clancy's on Princess Street. And we saw the success of, of, uh, of Princess Street when it got an opportunity to shine uh, at periods last year. It was a huge hit. Not just the outdoor of Princess Street, but also the roof of Clancy's itself. And he joins me by phone. Paul, good morning. Morning, Neil. When does this plan kick in? Because I know they're going to start doing work now on, what, like Oliver Plunkett Street, Cook Street, Caroline Street, Princess Street, things like that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 it's going to be an exciting summer for the city because I, I think last year proved that people actually want to be outside and you don't necessarily need the sunshine to, um, to want to sit outside. And we saw that throughout the summer. You saw it yourself, Neil, many times, yeah, you know. Yeah. And even we had some chairs and tables in Marlborough Street as well. And yeah. it, it literally just took off. I mean, um, the, the, the fact that I remember the, the morning, the 29th of June, and we were taking down the chairs and tables from the, um, from the, the, the hire company that we, we got the uniform tables and chairs from. And literally, as we were taking them down off the truck, there were people sitting on them. So it didn't even need advertising. So that, I think, you know, is proof of concept. Claire Nash uses that term so many times, you know, and it is proof of concept that people, that's what people want to do. So you're not going to force, uh, as we know too well, you're not going to force people to do something that they don't want to do. So the outdoor is here to stay and people want to eat and drink outdoors as much as practically possible. How did we? How did City Council have such a change of heart when for years they would have been hassling businesses who put out a sandwich board or, or a table outside the door and all of a sudden the floodgates have opened? Is that COVID? I, I think COVID brought us certain benefits. I mean, there, there was no doubt, and I've said it many times over the last year, um, that despite all the hardship COVID has brought business and in, in fairness to a lot of people's personal lives and people who got sick and who've died but COVID has, has certainly got a rethink going in Cork City but great credit due to when we wrote to City Council they absolutely came with us in this and not alone that I think that I think to the Gardaí that really made it happen because I mean our licensing laws are so archaic in, in Ireland and they need to be and it's, it's a it's an issue a lot of people have with them is that they're so old and archaic that we, we're not allowed to drink on the streets I mean that's that's the reality and, and it, it has it has to be looked at and there's bylaws obviously in, in various cities but on top of that it wasn't until um, you know our own Sergeant Brian McSweeney and, and, if, and the and, and the hierarchy in in, in Barry Nicole and Moore and Cork they, they got involved and they said under COVID legislation we can get let this happen yeah. and equally then with the fire officer and stuff who, who have who have worked with us on this because it is a tricky situation to get chairs and tables and streets. So it's cross-party, it's cross-party cooperation. But all of those streets and all of those businesses, and then in total there's like 17 of them, will they be charged by council for putting a table and chairs outside? Uh, ultimately, the answer will be obviously yes, but at the moment they're, they, they have this initiative um, last year and into this year they're saying they're not charging and obviously you know we're not paying rates at the moment either you know so because nobody's trading and ultimately I, I guess that's that's the plan but I mean nobody in business will mind paying rates or paying license fees for outdoor dining if you're making a few bob I mean that's that's you know but I, I suppose Neil, I, I go back to it again we wouldn't have survived last year and going into this year if we didn't, if we weren't able to 
each of our premises in Princess Street and the diversity was nice in Princess Street because there's 12 different, you know, well, there's more food offerings, than yeah. 12, but 12, there's 12 different types of food offering and, and, and drink offerings. But the, that's important. But like, we wouldn't have survived unless we could take the money we were taking on the street last year because inside was so, you know, we're looking in plenty that we have the, the rooftop, which has been very successful and we have three different floors. But like, we're going to go into a, a summer of uncertainty again, but at least with outside. And I think we have to look even beyond the, the street side of it and to see where we can have, you know, we've seen Kennedy Key last weekend, which is nice in many ways, but obviously not COVID friendly in many ways. Uh, you're referring to takeout pints and takeout drinks. Yeah. yeah. But, 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 but like people have found, and Sully said to me during the week, he's right, people have found a new way of, of socializing and they may not want to go back to a lot of the old ways. So like, if we're, if we're going to have a summer of outdoors, we want to get indoors going. But if the science says you can't be indoors, then the government are going to follow that. And then we need to be able to license places that people can actually have a drink and food outdoors. So I know how Princess Street will look, because we've seen it from last year. But give us an idea as to how, say, the long street of Oliver Plunkett Street would look. I mean... Well, I, I, I think it has been a wish of Simon Coveney and more for years and City Council that, you know, that Oliver Plunkett Street would be the uh, flagship street for Cork in Ireland that would be ideally suited to be covered. But, I mean, the investment in that would be absolutely enormous. No, but, I, and that would be fa- but already, it already is pedestrianised. So how is it going to be different it is. Well, there's a big difference between pedestrianise and we have to allow for mobility and for for access for people. And, and you know, just you've been on your show, just, just, you know, and I, I'm involved with the guide dogs and minding dogs, and I know what it's like if people are trying to get, and we have to have the footpaths and stuff right. But the issue really is overall, the pedestrianise, as you rightly said, we've always been pedestrianised. It's dining on the street is the issue, right? So if we're going to, if businesses are going to make money and going to survive with the outside, we need the chairs and tables. So the success of Princess Street, in my view, is that people can use the centre of the street for the dining and you leave the access for pedestrians and mobility on the footpath. So, pe- so, so that means that, say, for Oliver Plunkett Street would be pedestrianised on both sides, but with table and chairs all the way down the spine. Well, if, if you think of it right, the, the footpaths particularly are superb on Oliver Plunkett Street because they're flush with the roads. I mean, we have more difficulties on Princess Street and eventually we hope that that will be resolved with, when, when, when the investment is, is available to put into it. And I think that's the desire. Like, I get mixed up now whether we're all upper or lower but if you take the other side of Princess Street it's flush as well and in many ways then that becomes easier because you can have and Caroline Street is, is similar that I think it's the, the streets are flush with the footpaths now that's a nice scenario because you can have a good wide footpath at both sides and you're not just limited to the three or four feet that's there so like Oliver Plunkett Street in many ways is ideal because you have one wide street so you can take up as much as you need yeah. for both footpaths to both sides and that solves the mobility issue I, I think largely and like all of us are agreed on that, that people who are disabled or who have dogs or who have, want to have their bikes, even if they dismount the bikes, there needs to be access. Now, we have, we have crossings on, on the street, obviously, in Princess Street as well, you know. Okay, so, this, like, so this work starts Monday, actually, doesn't it? Uh, Lag and Ashfield yeah. move into Caroline Street, Pembroke Street, Oliver Point, Cook yeah. Street, Meadow Street. They're, they're resurfacing, is it? Yeah, like we, we did. So Lagan did um, in, in the fall of last year, 
um, our street was 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 done because we um, the city council facilitated the you know of resurfacing the whole street. But before that, they did installations for the parasols that are going that you're going to see visible now from please God May sometime when yeah. it out open. Yeah. So there was a lot of work done. I mean, there was several weeks work involved in that and to run electricity. So I mean, I think Princess Street will be five star in you know the way it's going because a lot a lot of the work has been done. We've been at that for twelve months now, continuous, you know. So if you're going to get, there's going to be different, I suppose, stars and different standards depending on what work can be done. But I think every street obviously can be done to that level. But it will make a big difference if the street surface is really good, like it is. And city council has done a great job in that. But I mean, that's that, that, there's there's going to be different levels, obviously, all over the city. Like every street won't be able to be closed down like Princess Street was. Now, luckily, it was closed down during the last lockdown, mm. and that work was done. But streets and um, are going to be open, and businesses are going to be open from you know in the coming weeks. So, but they've got to get this be... work done fast. If, say, for instance, yes. society starts yes. to reopen in early May. Yeah, I mean, like we, we we know all about it in December when we when we were reopening. You know, the works were just about finishing up and there was we had a panic attack ourselves in the businesses to, when we saw the, the Harris fencing was up and but work had to be finished and we had to work with council to make sure it was finished okay so, uh, and, yeah. and, okay, so we are reimagining Cork and Australia. but just on a personal note yeah. like, have you any plans for when you are opening with regards to you know outdoor dining and indoor dining how long people yes. will be able to sit do they have to have a meal yeah. how many can sit together you're looking at all that well I I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd be very hopeful that, you know, I, I'd, I'd be very positive about even the outdoor side because, you know, from our businesses, certainly Princess Street is huge. We've Marlborough Street at the other side, which which is going to be pedestrianised for the vast majority of the day and night. We have, we have a rooftop. There's a lot of facilities in Cork and there's more. And, you know, I think all of us that are in business at the moment are gearing up for that to say, right, okay, we have our, we have our diary systems, our res diary systems, we have our booking systems. We're back training staff at the moment, you know, so we're doing courses at the moment. And so we can tell the public that we are gearing up to be open as soon as we get the green light. We're going to be open. We're going to be serving. And I think food and drink is a combination. But well, you don't see any time. of this nine euro meal thing coming back, no? I, I don't, but I, genu- I genuinely think, Neil, that food and drink, you know, it's a new way of, of um, socialising. People are, are going to, people, people enjoy that to a large degree, you know, I mean, there was there was reasons for bringing that in, you know, and, and Neffet wanted that. But to a large degree, if people are booking, if if you're going online and you're booking a table inside the fences, you know, a lot of people want that experience. They want some sort of food. And if you're going up to the rooftop and you're having the Italian pizza style offering, or you want to be downstairs and you want your fish and chips, will I mean, people be on the uh, clock? Do you think? People will, well, again, if we're limited to space, I mean, the, the clock suits both sides. I mean, the clock suits the business as well as it suits maybe the government side in that if we are to facilitate, you know, different bookings and facilitate as many people as possible and to be fair to customers, you know, if you can't get a nine o'clock sitting and you can get a seven o'clock sitting, at least you're getting out socially with your two or three friends. So that's not a bad start if, that's, if that has to be the case. We prefer not, but if that's, if that's the way it has to be, that worked very well for us before. And again, we didn't have cases of COVID. You know, we're very lucky, yeah. nearly all the people in our street. And I think we can run this successfully and we'll certainly be pushing for, I mean, all the mood music at the moment is that outdoor is a winner, outdoor is safe, and then maybe indoor for people that have the vaccines. And But, you know, 
I certainly would be hopeful now with the way the rollout is happening that we will have outdoors and indoors before long. So do you, sorry, I mean, one last question then. So, so if somebody has a yeah. vaccine and has had two doses of the vaccine, will they present yeah. something at the door of a pub or a gastro pub, is it? Well, the, the good thing is you're coming in with a booking anyway. You're meeting someone in reception. You know, you're, you're, we were doing temperature checks before. We're checking in. So if, if that's the rule that comes in that you have to have a COVID passport and for indoor dining and you have that, well, then by all means, bring it on. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll manage that situation if, if it happens. You, you, you wouldn't anticipate idea. any disquiet between both sections of society, the vaccinated and the non? But the, the reality of it is we're, we're getting used of new rules all the time. Neil. We get used to that rule as well. And right. I mean, it's only, it's only a matter of time, whether it's August or September, because the whole adult population is vaccinated. So, But I would say anything that gets us open, get us open. None of us want to be out on COVID payments and trying, you know, benefits from the state. We all just want to open and, and, and trade as soon as it's safe. All we right. really do. So any, and particularly outdoors. I mean, there's huge opportunities around Cork City, and I'm talking to City Council at the moment about different opportunities for big areas that we could be outdoors and if that's what gets people out safely and we can license and run areas let's let's do it you know don't just wait for you know like we're sometimes we're waiting too too much for things to happen we've got to make things happen in the city and that's that's i think evident of what has happened with the streets cork city has made things happen and it, it will be an enjoyable place to eat and drink this summer. Okay, good to have you on. Have a good weekend, Monty. Thanks for taking yes. the call. Bring right. it on. Let's get other people's opinions on this. Paul Montgomery from Clancy's. Yours are welcome. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. Outdoor dining in this weather. Wonder, did they all get uh, thousands back that they wasted on setting up for the indoor dining malarkey? Not quite sure uh, what you're saying there. Outdoor dining will have to be the way to go initially anyway and and, uh, you know, many are saying, including Paul Montgomery, that the weather doesn't really matter all that much because you can adapt or you can use canopies or you can use heaters or whatever the case may be. See the Greens getting their own way again. Basically, when Cork reopens, gridlock will occur now. Definitely not encouraging people to come into town shopping if all the parking spaces are gone. McCurtain Street is like Legoland. And when the bus pulls in to pick people up, it blocks a complete lane of traffic. Duh, says Willie. Uh, whilst a walk through the city centre may be a lovely aesthetic, parking spaces, in particular for disabled, are slowly but surely being moved further and further away from the centre, if not being completely banished altogether. The whole idea of a disabled space is to allow people who are not agile, as others are, to gain access easily and also to enjoy the centre. Uh, the city will eventually be converted into more apartments with even less vehicle accessibility apart from deliveries and buses. It would be great if a workforce lived locally to service all the big office blocks being built within walking distance of the city centre. I think what you're finding is they're actually building um, uh, apartment blocks now and they're actually building, maybe to a lesser extent, office blocks, um, but certainly apartment blocks without parking, you know? Because they're anticipating in the future that many people in city living scenarios don't need a motor car. Uh, this is a disaster in the making. Tables too close together, dirty roads, no proper spacing between people. It will be so unhygienic uh, and disgraceful. How does the rest of the world do it then, Karen, so well? Is it weather related? Barry says, can anybody see this as good news for a change or has everybody become an expert? The good news is just not allowed to be, can it just not be good news full stop? Best of luck to the businesses that need this kind of strategy to make any hope of Cork being a great place to come. 
to eat, to drink and to socialise. And that's what the future of the city needs to be, I think. Back to the phone lines we go. Karen, good morning. Hello. Karen Vincenzo, are you Italian? Uh, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a Spanish name uh, from Mexico. My apologies for getting it You're completely okay. and utterly wrong. Anyway, so eating and drinking on the street, your thoughts, please? Eating and drinking on the street. Um, I don't have a problem with the eating and drinking on the street, provided the weather is okay. In the summertime, that's fine. Um, I, I, my, my big problem is there's just no, there's no parking. Um, we, we used to go to Cork all the time, but when I lived in Middleton, because you could jump on the train and go in, but now there's just nowhere to park. Why, do you um, not know you, where our multi-story car parks are? Oh yeah, I know where they are, but but sometimes you get caught in traffic, especially last time that they had the streets closed um, for for the where it was pedestrianised. It might take you half an hour to get into a car park. And you find the prices exorbitant in those car parks, do you? The the price is high. Yeah, you end up having you end up wanting to rush a little bit because it's going to cost you like an extra. Like if you just want to go in for lunch or something like that or just to shop for a couple of hours um by the time you get parked go walk wherever it is you're going to go do your bit of shopping have a better bite of lunch you're going to be paying 12 15 euros for for parking um if you, you see go figuring anything, 15 euro into a trip for a bit of shopping and a bit of lunch is too high a price to be asked to pay i think isn't it Oh, I I agree. <laughs> so you know, because you know, you might and unless you go to one of the the more expensive restaurants. Most of the time, if you're just going for lunch, that's all it's going to cost you is fifteen euros for a meal. You know, um, unless you've gone off and gotten a, a big lunch or something. Um, so it just it just adds to the price, and you end up having to walk quite a distance. Um, there's no and there's no public transportation to get in. And when they closed the streets last time, it was it was a disaster. We just stopped going entirely when they did that. It was nice to have the street closed to walk up and down, but just the headache of, of getting in and out and trying to find parking. Um, but wait a second. And, I mean, they, then, they, like traffic, the buses were reduced last year and still are to some extent. Sometimes and last year by 50%. And then there was restrictions on the amount of people on buses. That was to reduce the infection rates, right? Um, but when all of that is gone... Buses will be ploughing in from all over again. And also the park and ride will be in operation. That train from Middleton will be there, of course. Um, so there'll yeah, be- but you still, you still, if you have the park and ride and you want to go shopping, you've, you've nowhere to put your stuff. Um, so you don't do that much shopping because you're going to have to carry everything. You can't just go to your car. When you're parked downtown, you can go to the car, put your stuff in, go back out and go do more um and and you're not going to stay in town the 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 buses stop to the park and ride at like eight o'clock yeah um so you don't stay in for dinner you know you you have to leave um you just you just end up rushing around and and it's just it's not a nice experience so it's parking keeps you out of the city parking prices um if there were more public car parks and say the first hour was a euro. The second hour was two euro. The third hour was three euro. Is that a maybe a better says get people into the city, moving, turning them over in an hour or two? It, if it was if it was less expensive to to go in, well, no, if it was less expensive to go in, we'd go in and spend the day and spend more, just to spend more money because you don't 
feel the clock ticking. I, yeah. I know, yeah. uh, you know, you, you just don't feel like you, you need to hurry because, oh my gosh, I've spent my money and, and I still have to pay my 20 euros for parking for the day or whatever. So in the back um, of your mind all of the time, the, the parking clock is always ticking away. Definitely. Okay. 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 Thanks definitely. for that, Karen. Appreciate you taking my call. Ruth, good morning. Good morning, Junior. How are you? Good, thank you. Your thoughts on this, particularly as, as a, a mom of a, a son in a wheelchair, yeah? That's correct. Uh, Robert, he's, he's 22, and uh, um, I take him to the city. I used to take him to the city a lot more, of course, on account of the COVID. There's no outing to the city, no shops anyway open. So um, last summer, I took him uh, to the city, and... Um, to go up Prince Street was just crazy with all the the seating for the um, eating out, which is lovely to see. Uh, having walked it myself, I don't think it yeah. would have been easy with the wheelchair, no. No, no, it was suggested to me to go up Marlborough Street, but all the um, footpaths are so narrow and they're, and they're bumpy. They're bumpy for, uh, for big wheelchairs, for any wheelchair, really, electric wheelchair or propelled uh, wheelchair. They're very, they're very bumpy. So there's too, they're too dangerous to, to travel on. And we generally, if I take him to the city, I go up the street for safety for, for my son. You know? So, like, if they're going to eat out, I would suggest that they'd make the, the street all one level. And then we have no problem. Do, do you do you believe that pedestrianising or closing just for pedestrians, many of the city streets will will act as a hazard to people with disabilities? Uh, definitely, definitely a, a hazard. Though, it, like to go on the Princess Street footpath is just it's too dangerous for them. But what right? about say? One of the longest streets in the city that will be done is Oliver Plunkett Street. If the spine of that, the road network of it, the old road, that'll be pedestrianised, but the foot, the footpaths would not. Would that facilitate wheelchairs? Um, they'd have to be redone. I would, I would think, I would re- redo them all, dig them all up, and, and redo them. But they need, they need to make them that bit wider. You okay. know, or else, or else have the street all one level. Okay, all right. Thank you for that. Mind yourself. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Ruth. Uh, the plan is uh, the first streets where pedestrianisation might already be in place now, but it, it will be extended and uh, and more will be added to it and pedestrianisation will be the predominant style of the street going forward. Oliver Plunkett Street, Cook Street South, Caroline Street, Pembroke Street, Princess Street South, because the northern one is already done, so the other one down onto the Mall, when I say South, that's what I mean by Cook Street South and Princess Street South, those streets that take you to the Mall. Uh, the entire marina, 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week. Then there's a second phase, uh, which would be rolled out for pedestrianisation. Grafton Street, Marlborough Street, Robert Street, Morgan Street, Smith Street, um, which is at the junction of Oliver Plunkett Street, if you don't know it, and it's also in and around Phoenix Street, Phoenix Street itself, Beasley Street, Tucky Street, Little Cross Street, Little Ann Street, Emmett Place, and Peter and Paul's Place. All these beautiful little streets that uh, hopefully will have life breathed into them again. Back after 10. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prindeville now. 1850-104-106.
Red FM. Free Food Friday with Oak Farm Pizza. We have 12 large pizza vouchers with sides to give away. So the way I do that is to split it into three winners. So each winner will win three large pizzas. Uh, sorry, four, I should say. Three different winners winning four large pizzas and two sides each. To do with as you please. Then you can redeem the vouchers for piping hot pizza and sides from Oak Fire Pizza, Real Wood Fired Pizza, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Gillabby Street. All right, so uh, free food Friday shoutouts then for Dermody Dental Practice and Evergreen Road and Turners Cross. They've been at it all through the pandemic. It's been, uh, I have been in so much pain. They kept seeing me no matter what. And they put a smile on my face no matter how busy they were. I'd appreciate it if they won today. As Dermody Dental Practice keeping the pain away. Anglesey Street Garda Station are listening. Hennessy Hair and Beauty and Sarsfield Road are listening. The Moore family in Mahan. Uh, Trevor and Keith in Blarney working since six this morning building stone walls. Uh, Nicholas and Frankie are working hard all week from home. And everybody at Feelings Feelin Pharmacy in Blackrock Hall. Morning to you all to the Gala Shopping in the Shannon. Horgan's Garage in Park Kerry Pike. The Finance Team at Hobart, Hobart AV pound in Mallow, uh, Donovan Auto Services in Glanmar, Cummins Sports Warehouse in Little Island, uh, Pizza Please for Nicola and the Gang and Bowen's Opticians in Carrigaline. They'd be over the moon if they won today. So would my wife Norma, who's working from home and it's her birthday today. Her favourite food? Pizza. Two girls love it too, Robin and Megan. Uh, love the show, bye. SMA and Wilton are listening this morning. Denise and all of the gang at the Mercy Hospital. The staff at Argos and Mahan. Morning to Mary. To Sarah and Farron Ree. Um, I'd share the pizza with my husband and two kids because they never stop eating pizza. It's their favourite. From pizza to fresh fish. Morning to everybody. A good fish processing in Carrigaline. Ailish is in Mitchellstown. Busy working from home at the kitchen table since March last year. Your show has kept me 100 percent sane. I'm delighted to hear that because I drive others insane. She says, I've laughed out loud, sobbed into the keyboard, and I've had every emotion between the past year. Love it from nine to midday every day. Flattery may get you somewhere, Ailey. You'd never know. Vivian Bowen in Frankfield has just celebrated a second birthday in lockdown. <laughs> Not just Vivian, but her partner as well. They need pizza. Oak Fire Pizza is the best pizza in Cork. Verso Fashion in uh, the Metro Business Park in Ballycoreen, Kinsale. I love that. Metro Business Park. Doesn't that sound good? To all the hardworking staff at Mark Murphy Motors. Um, The kids are going back to school on Monday and I would miss them so much. So we'd love to celebrate one last supper, says Burr Callaghan from Montanati Park. So keep those shout outs coming. Text 086-8104-106. Who you are and where you are. And we'll make the draw and more shout outs across the morning and pick winners then we will have three winners with four pizzas and sides each around about a quarter to midday today let me come up for you can I just also before I go back to other topics um, you may or may not know that a senior government minister now in the shape of Michael McGrath has now come out you know they're planning there's planning applications in to build to build uh, apartment blocks uh, and apartment complexes down on the Besborough site Michael McGrath has come out and said it seems entirely inappropriate to me that any development would proceed on this site prior to the site being properly investigated for human remains, uh, which we know to be there, which we know to be there, he said. He said it's quite possible that the area subject to this proposed development is the site of human remains. And Michael McGrath said on this basis, he said he doesn't believe that this development should proceed. There's a senior, senior minister nailing his colours to the mast. Text 0868104106 and pick up the phone on 1850104106. Great job on McCurtain Street. I think that Will is being sarcastic. As uh, as of now, only two lanes 
with people parking up with hazard lights on, blocking an entire lane. Yeah, I see it all of the time. Whether I don't drive that area so much, but I certainly cycle it. And it's a hazardous street now to cycle on because you literally are coming up behind um, uh, cars with hazards on, double parked in lanes of traffic because they've narrowed the street now to parking. Uh, if they're delivering something, you can't really blame them, says Will. But luckily, traffic isn't chock-a-block with the scandemic uh, having loads out of work. It will be, he's saying, when the scandemic is over. He calls it a scamdemic, not a pandemic. Wait until it's over and see the results on McCartan Street. For what would they wish to do this? Our beautiful city is destroyed anyway, says Sally. The best they can do now is knock down our heritage and restore it with glass and steel. Michael says, only in Ireland would this happen. The city goes into is in lockdown for over a year. And now we're hopefully getting back to normal and they decide to start this work. It's ridiculous, says Michael. To the phone lines we go. Pat, good morning. Your thoughts, please. Well, I think they're actually going to destroy Cork City. And honestly, if you think that this is progress, I think you're intoning. So you say, I mean, cuckoo land. Yeah, this pedestrianisation is all about businesses extending their businesses out on the public streets with the not in the wink of the council because the businesses will get extended businesses huge and some businesses will end up being twice the size of what they are at the moment. Yeah, what do you think we want a city for if it's not to put businesses in it? I mean think well, about it like. Neil it's not about businesses at all and it's about the type of businesses so we don't have the weather for you take we say go to parts of Spain where they have the weather and the, those businesses don't come out encroaching onto the public road cars will go up and down those businesses were given an area outside their actual where the businesses finished. They were, they were given a canopied area that they can put seating in. That we all go, we all enjoy, we all sit down, have our food, have our drink. Iron isn't like that, Cork isn't like that. Most of the streets are too narrow. There'll be no room. People in wheelchairs, people with disabilities, they just don't give a damn. It's all about the council making more money for themselves and making more money for businesses. It's not about businesses, it's not about the people, it's not about the streets, it's about businesses. You say yourself, last week, or last year, when Princess Street was pedestrianised, twelve pedestrianised, you weren't really pedestrianised, there were a lot of seats put out there for people to eat and you couldn't, you couldn't get through it. I walked up. I walked through. I know. I accept that people with disabilities or wheelchairs wouldn't have got up and down Princess Street. That I take that point, but uh, I, you know, like, how, about el- how about elderly people? Neil, elderly people didn't feel comfortable up there because there was people in seats and they're pushing the seats back and shouting and laughing and joking. I think it's all about money for the council and money. And what about those people that were sitting there laughing and joking? Do they ever get a look in, like, about their life or their lifestyle or their enjoyment of the city or dining, eating, I drinking, I, I, having sure coffees? I, I, I love going out and having a coffee myself. I love going out eating. I love going out and having a drink. But, not, but it shouldn't be done at the expense of people not being able to walk up and down the street. What they're, in effect, doing is they're taking over streets. They're taking over streets. It happened. It happened in Washington Street with Weirdens. Weirdens to go over the street next to them. Oh, you know that ultimately, before all of this, the city, cities, and towns and villages were about people, not about cars. Maybe we're just maybe we're just rebalancing. And not specifically how more cars. Cars belong in car parks. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, the find you made a whole car park. Things like to before the pandemic, there was queues to get into every car park. You couldn't get into the multi-story car park. There's not enough of them. Pretty much the cars are in the city, and the reason there's so many people using cars is because our public transport system is appalling. Absolutely appalling. The buses that are running, if they run on time, you're lucky, and they're usually filthy. 
have to name on the inside and certainly on the outside, you compare our, our public transport system to most public transport systems in Europe, they're filthy, they're appalling, they're born rattlers, they're not fit for purpose. You know, one one of the things, like, I don't use the multi-story so much. Yeah, from time to time. What I have been using for the last few years is Park Magic. Now, that's going to be a bit of a problem for those of us that park by phone because there'll be less places to park by phone, won't there? Well, of course there will need, and they're not being smart. As it is at the moment, the amount of car parking spaces that are being lost at the city because the council decided they're going to widen the footpath, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. I have no problem with footpaths being widened. I'm not anti the city at all. I think God, the new development down the, down the keys will be fabulous. I, I have not a problem with them new buildings that were built, the ones that people call glass boxes. I have no problem with that because most of them were built in places that were derelict anyway. Oh, oh, fabulous. A new building there. Well done. At least you're bigging up some of the progress that we're trying to make. See, I, I would see a city in five or ten years' time where it would be a mix of the old and the new. You know, I made the point there some weeks back. It's a fabulous thing that, you know, on the Cold K, you got Benny McKay brewing beer. You know, this, that's. I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see the city centre being a place, okay, where you can do business and you can buy your, your, your fashion items or you can buy a pair of specs. And I, I understand all of that. But I think it would be a great place where people could socialise, where children could right. be, where people could live. Where, where, where yeah. they live in the city and they can eat in the city and they can have coffee and, you know, uh, maybe I'm dreaming. I just think... Well, I can see both sides of the court getting in because I think, like, I grew up, I'd be around your age, I grew up in the same area as you and you went down the court and the old stars were there and they were fabulous. The council decided they'd replace them with these new stars which were never really effective. They didn't want them to be effective anyway. And at the end of the day, basically, and I've not against it, I've eaten down there myself, I've driven down there, I've socialized down there, but the call here is basically businesses again have to take over footpaths. That's what it is. I mean, you, you in reality, if you're not going to run them businesses, since you're wasting their market, no, not like, as far as I'm concerned. No, not, not if you, yeah, but if you want to have a pizza or you want to have a coffee or you want to have a dessert or if you want to have a cold pint or a gin and tonic, yeah. now you have an opportunity I, to do it in the sunshine. <laughs> I'd be honest to know when I the sunshine. I honestly think before the council worry about pedestrianising streets, they want to go in and start out one of the nicest streets in Cork, which was the North Main Street, which is now like a derelict, it's not much better than the building site. They want to go in now and start out to like the North Main Street first and bring it back to the people and maybe make that pedestrianisation, no problem with pedestrianisation, but not as, not as expensive as we've just been a captain because we don't have that kind of climate. They can say canopies, they can say heaters, they can say what they want. We don't have the climate for what is being proposed. There is no mention whatsoever in any of these plans or reimagining Cork about the North Main Street. Nor the South Main Street for that matter. Because they said, yeah, what, what are they going to do? And they've they forced most of the business out of North Main Street and what's left out of the South Angus. These are not to be deserved. That's my personal opinion. A path okay, you can hold on there if you wish. I have another Pat. I'm not quite sure he'd agree with you. Pat? Yeah, Pat. I, I, sorry, uh, Neil. Um, I travel a lot. I've been to Krakow. I've been to Berlin. Uh, they were on about being out in the cold and the wet and the whole lot. I mean, they have heaters over there. You go, you go to the square in Krakow, you can sit out. Man, I loved that city. I was, I was there once. I loved that city. That city blew yeah, me away, yeah. Krakow. They, they seem to be afraid of everything in Cork. Anything new at all, they're afraid of it. If there's a building, they're afraid of it. You know, they, they just don't seem to want to move on into the kind of modern European world at all. You yeah, know? but if you have a disability or you're in a wheelchair or you're walking with AIDS or if you really need to park in the city or the multi-stories are full, game over yeah. for you, they're saying. 
Yeah, I can I mean, understand that. No, and I would agree with you totally there, but surely there's some way they can kind of accommodate that. But, I mean, there's nothing like a, a cultural city, you know, where people can sit out and read a book and have a coffee, have a mulled wine. There's nothing like sitting out. Even in the winter, if you, if you have these blow heaters and what have you, it's, it's fantastic. Pat Cole, you know, the Pat calls it a step in the ruination of our cor- of Cork. Oh, God, where? I mean, come on, go to Vienna. Go well, to Rome, yeah. go anywhere. I know they have the weather, but even go to Krakow in the winter, in the, in the coldest of the winter, and they're all sitting out in the square there. Well, you know? first of all, that's, that's their climate, and they're used to that climate. We're, we're well, Poland, so Poland gets climate. very cold. Yeah, 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 it gets very cold. <laughs> Poland is a very cold place, and, and they, 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 I sat out there. I just love it. I just got down to the square in Krakow. I was out there, sitting out there every night. It was freezing. I'd have a mulled wine. They'd put a blanket on my lap. And I had a lovely blow-down heaters all over the place, you know? <laughs> it be, that would not be my cup of tea, you know. I know it's cold, okay. here's the blanket, forget about it. <laughs> well, Neil, I'm certainly, as I already said to you, I'm certainly not anti-progress in the city. I actually see nothing wrong with the new buildings that have been built in the city over the last number of years. I'm well looking forward to all that here being developed. Good, yeah, and yeah. I don't yeah, care yeah. about whether they're 20-story buildings or 30-story buildings. It's better than what's down there at the moment. It's derelict. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. I would, I'd be 100% in agreement with you, yeah. yeah. All right, okay. I'm, Thank you, gentlemen. I'm, Appreciate it both. Thank you, too, okay, Pat. Thank okay, you. Okay, uh, yeah, This bye, whole bye, thing bye. is idiotic. All of the people uh, they are hoping will come into the city use cars and no one wants to pay exorbitant parking fees, so Cork City will essentially be only for the apartment dwellers. None of us will bother. I wonder will businesses still pay their rates when Cork City Council are actively trying to reduce the amount of people coming into the city with a proposal like pedestrianisation. Martin says that's really non-essential work. They'd be more in their line to build affordable homes than pedestrianising city streets. The streets should be left as they are. It's becoming ridiculous. It doesn't surprise me, though. The council are now doing what they wanted to do, which is no cars in the city. They started with Patrick Street. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red. FM. Chatting with Paul Byrne earlier on this morning about the incident involving the guard down in West Cork and I hope she makes a 100% recovery. Leg injuries apparently having been dragged uh, 100 metres by uh, this car where they were doing the drug bust but uh, during the conversation we were talking about people who have been, who were stopped or prosecuted for small amounts uh, of, uh, of drugs in particular small amounts of cannabis and that, you know, is, does it make sense? It prompted a call from Philip. Philip, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, I appreciate you have small kids there, so I won't kid you, keep you, you got a busy house, but uh, you are, uh, you're, well on, you're well on the road to, to recovery, in fairness to you, you're in a good place, clean for two years, but were, were you, were there issues in the past? Yeah, there was, um, um, when I was started smoking cannabis, when I was a teenager, um, and never anything serious, um, just here and there. And I know it's it's a joke at the end of the day, but um, there was one time um, I was just in my house, um, parents were away, and I was smoking in my room. And the next morning, I would I would I wouldn't usually get up out of bed till about twelve o'clock, one o'clock in the day. I was working the bar trade, so n- nights were kind of they were always going to be late for me. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, home uh, late, yeah, yeah, yeah. To bed late, yeah. Home, home late, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, so uh, I was I was walking up um, to a knock on my I slept in the attic on my attic door about one o'clock in the evening afternoon and uh, a guard burst through my door and said um, I can smell cannabis I have a warrant here for the search of our house 
and I was in absolute shock and I didn't know what was going on um, he said look be, there's two ways this can go you can show me where it is or I can get the paddy wagon and the dogs to come to your door and we can take this down that kind of road so like in, I was absolutely bricking it at, you know I was kind of speechless freezing at the time and um, I just showed him what I had and um, it was 20 or worth of cannabis and he said that's not what I'm here for he said I wouldn't have a warrant for your search your house if I didn't think there was going to be more here and I said well that's all I got and they went through my phone and everything went through every part of my house there was other two guards downstairs where my brother and sister were um, making sure obviously there was nothing sketchy around and then they apologised after that and said, sorry, we obviously got the wrong fella. Right, and right, right. And, and left. What were they, what and, were they looking for? Are they looking for cocaine, tablets, they, heroin? They never, said, they, they never said, they just walked in the attic room and said, we can smell cannabis. And, um, and did you ever, I mean, obviously no names, but did you ever work out as to why they came a calling at your door? Um... I kind of did, but I won't go into detail. Right. But there was uh, someone that I heard um, also ratted me, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And was that the end yeah. of that, or did, did you no, weren't arrested? Um, the, the guards tried to contact me um, many times after that to get me to be a rat as well. But it never happened. Uh, so, what, um, what would they you know that's in their intelligence gathering yeah. I understand why they do that you call it ratting but yeah. they want to get to the bigger dealers the bigger fish I understand, I understand that yeah. too yeah. Yeah. yeah it's part yeah, of their so job otherwise they're just they're just walking around in the dark oh yeah I completely get it um, but I guess at the time I was just kind of like me really you know yeah and obviously they were mistaken by the warrant but um then it came down the line about nine months later someone's through the door and uh, I went to court I got fined 400 euro what was the summons for the small amount of cannabis the 20 euro worth of cannabis yeah wow you went into yeah. court I went to court um, took three times because it kept getting adjourned for whatever reason it just kept getting adjourned and 400 euro fined it eventually did you have a solicitor? Did you have to get free legal aid? I did. I had a solicitor, yeah. You had but to pay um, the solicitor? I did. I did. Yeah. And it kept getting adjourned and then eventually it got heard and you got a 200 euro fine? Uh, 400. 400. 400, yeah. 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 For um, 20 euro worth yeah. of cannabis? Yeah. And there was an incident in um, two years after that. And... Um, uh, I was in my car down the end of the road and I was caught with a joint and also brought the court for that and fined 300 euro. And that was for your own personal use, for your own personal smoke? Yeah, yeah, I was on my own at the time. Did they ever get catch you with cocaine? That's class A, like, did they ever catch you with that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Ah, sure knows. Yeah. I mean, they were in a different league now. What happened over that? Um the same thing um, it was in a nightclub um, and I'm not going to mention the nightclub and again it was the same thing I was personal use and I um, I, 
I said it to them. I said, look, it's, it is for personal use and it's, it's 50 hours worth and all this. Yeah. And, um, it took about two years again later before I was in court and fined 400 euro again. No criminal record, no? Well, a conviction, like, but there was like there was nothing about being arrested or anything. It was just literally, you can go on your way now and that's it. But do you know if you have a criminal record now? Believe it or not, I actually don't know because I never looked it up. Okay. But I mean, I presume you get convicted with these fines. I probably do. I imagine if you were fined and were in court for cocaine, class A, you would have a criminal conviction. Yeah, yeah. But 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 clearly, as a recovering addict, and, and well done on that, things must have got out of hand at some stage, did they? They did. It was uh, very bad. Um, obviously, it affects more people around you, and as you hear that from many other people's stories. Yes, yeah. Um, I was in our house for two years um, in recovery. Um it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, fair play to because you. Because it wasn't for me going to do that and for the support of my partner. And You wouldn't have those kids in the background? She wouldn't? What? You wouldn't have those kids in the background? You wouldn't be in a busy house right now? No, I definitely wouldn't. I, no, sir. I, I, don't, I, I can't say where I would be, but yeah. I know I wouldn't be where I am today. And you focus um, on that, in well, fairness well, to you. And tell, and tell me, if you had your time over again, was, was cannabis part of that spiral into addiction? You know, um, I, it's very hard to say because I think it's more of who you get involved with. Um, because... Um, it's the company you keep. Yeah, I think so. Or, or like It's even like I just isolated into myself and, you know, that kind of way. So, anyway, listen, where, where, wherever you were, you're not there now. You're in a much better place. No. Long may it continue. Look after yourself, Philip. Yeah? Thanks, Neil. Sure. I'll let you get back to them. All right. Enjoy the enjoy yeah. the weekend. Cheers, you and your family. Fair play to you. Uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. There's a goose limping around the lock for the last few days. Somebody says I saw it yesterday evening and this morning. Can anybody help? I'm quite sure that there are people out there who would like to help. Don't know what happened to the goose. Uh, let's see if we can find somebody who might be able to uh, intervene and put it right. Text 0868104106 if you can help. We have, obviously, the CSPCA, the ISPCA, and people like that. Back after the break, we're talking ghost stories. Um, I meant to come back to this yesterday because we touched on it earlier in the week. It's important. It's important to chase him down, isn't it? This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Kieran Groger, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And you are the local historian and well-published author down in East Cork, particularly y'all, aren't I right? Well, I, I'm one of the local historians, just one of them. You're very, mo- you're very modest, in fairness to you. You're very modest. So, I got a text and we've been talking about y'all and where people will go when restrictions lift and all that kind of jazz. Some will go east, some will go west. But Eugene got in touch during our conversation. Can I read this to you? Sure. We were reminiscing about people going to y'all on their holidays on the train. He said, uh, you're on about y'all. In the early 1980s, I stayed in the big houses facing the sea in y'all near the railway tracks. Walking home at night, we took a shortcut, my brother-in-law and I, and a ghost of a young woman appeared 20 feet in front of us. She wore a long white dress and a large broad hat. 
It looked like the sun was shining on her, and within 20 seconds or so, she just disappeared. Frightened the life out of us. I was wondering, did anyone ever ever see her since? Um, and that's from Eugene. Uh, just wondering what your thoughts on that. Uh, did Eugene have a few sups of the Johnny Jump Up or what? Well, I, I suspect he, he might have. But the, the strange thing about ghost stories is that they always have... Um, a ring of truth. There's always some element of truth in them. And in the case of that particular area, it's near the lighthouse in Yall. Yeah. And the lighthouse is associated with one of the most famous ghosts in Yall. Now, um, the, the the original lighthouse was actually um, built in the 12th century. And uh, strangely enough, it was... Um, t- the, the nuns actually kept the, the, the fire going in the lighthouse. And it was uh, nuns that were responsible for it right up to the 1500s. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the um, the stories about it was that there was a young woman. Um, her, her boyfriend, her lover, went off to sea and promised he'd be back for her. And um, at some stage, she saw uh, someone coming towards her. And anyway, she died. Um, but that's... Her spirit is supposed to be are you, there at, at the corner. Are you referring to Mal Goggins' corner? Yes, yeah. Mal, Mal Goggins. That's just the top of the hill by the lighthouse. Tell us but a little bit more about her story, because I think that she used to just literally stand there looking out to sea day after day after day, waiting for him to come home or something, was it? That's exactly it. And uh, But the, the, the reason that the the legend of the, kind of the ghost comes into it then and fits into other ghost stories is that in, in the case of um, ghost stories, generally speaking, they, they refer to unfinished business. Yeah. Somebody promised to do something and they don't get around. And because they don't uh, haven't got around to doing, they can't rest in peace. Yeah. And this EP is, is all over the world, rest in peace. But some spirits can't rest in peace. And so uh, in this case... Uh, this particular uh, Maldogan lady, she's waiting for her lover to come home. He doesn't come home. She can't rest in peace. And it's very much that same story, the same sort of a story is in the Red House in Yall, where you also have a lady ghost um, and you have then the ghost of the ship, uh, the shipwreck Nelly Fleming boat and the sailors trying to come home and the stories of, of men seeing their, or their wives seeing the men coming home but in fact, they're only ghosts. But it's an unfinished business. And in the case of Margoggin, um, the chances are that that fits into that kind of a category. That that's who he saw, of- you're saying? I mean, what what became of Margoggin when her sailor lover the, never came home? The, Did she throw herself off that cliff or that no, corner? No, no, no. no, no. Um, see, the, the, the part of the legend, um, uh, again, uh, uh, of death, is that when somebody dies... Um, and they're they're buried. They they have to remain in the graveyard until there's another funeral, and so you have all the whole tradition all over Ireland of the rush to bury somebody, mm. so that if there are two funerals on the same day, one family wants to be the first to have their loved one buried, because if they're not. They will ha- the, their loved one will have to wait until the next funeral before they can go to heaven. So what happens if so, two funerals arrive at the same time? There's a fight, an almighty fight between the two groups. And um, in fact, the tradition of 
that in, in Ireland, blood should be spilt at a funeral. <laughs> it helps the process. Oh, but it, it, that is actually, it's, it's well documented. Uh, there's a book, No Irish Folkways by Esther Evans, and it, it tells the story of families fighting to have their loved one buried first. They'd never fight. Uh, They'd never fight at a, a funeral in oh, Cork no, City. They might fight in Yall, maybe. Oh, <laughs> and not only that, but they'll they throw coffins over the wall to get in first. <laughs> but it's... Um, the case of Malgoggin, anyway, this, this, <laughs> the, the chances are that she was buried by the nuns. and She passed away with a broken heart, are you saying? But absolutely. But literally, she had to wait. She was the last one in the graveyard. She has to wait until the next funeral. And there wasn't another funeral oh because the, mo- the nuns are moved along and she had to wait. Isn't that incredible? And so I the chances are that Eugene and his brother-in-law saw Ma Goggin's ghost then wearing what well, would have been appropriate at the time. What what kind of, what era are we talking about? A long white dress and a broad, large broad hat. The, the, there isn't, an, uh, I, I don't, I mean, I have, say, Michael Hackett's book, I have Fitzgerald's book, I have a whole pile of books. They don't specify a Malgoggin era, but it sounds very much like the 17th, 18th century, around the time after Cromwell, um, if there's a broad hat, then it's your talk of the Cromwell time, but it isn't specified, but there's an awful lot of emigration going on, an awful lot of people going abroad, and some with the intention of coming home, but never actually getting home. But wasn't there talk as well that, uh, particularly around that area, the lighthouse and areas like that, that the lighthouse keeper or the nuns would witness phantom monks or clerics walking around and vanishing into thin air? Well, uh, again, well, you have the same sort of story about the witch trial of y'all, uh, Florence Newton, the witchcraft. She was supposed to vanish uh, into thin air. But in fact, anybody who knows anything about the area around y'all, right up to Carrick Tool, there's a huge amount of um, underground passageways. Um, and there was that, that famous building that was going to go on outside Carrick Tool. And you might remember uh, the, there was an American company. I think they were going to have a building and they, they found the, the, the land was not suited. But there are loads of tunnels and new terrains. Um, I, I, in fact, at one stage, we filmed one. Um, it's about three or four miles long. Are they but natural could, tunnels? Oh, some of them are actually made tunnels Why? to go from one ring fort to another. Wow. And some of them caused by the water. And there was that wonderful exhibition in the Cork Museum um, a few years ago. Uh, it was about the, they, they found Celtic remains just outside Yall, and there were Celtic warriors dressed in gold, um, buried, but literally incredibly beautifully dressed uh, in gold. And they were discovered, no, they haven't released, deliberately released the site because that would drive all sorts of people to it. But, but they put the gold on display in the Fitzgerald Park Museum. Isn't that and amazing? It was incredible. Uh, now, the, a lady called Mary Cahill, who's the archaeologist, she actually wrote it up, and it's it's well documented. But uh, like the those those tunnels, some of them are, are river um, tunnels underground, um, and some are actually man-made. Well, I suppose you would expect these kind of stories coming out of a medieval town as old as y'all, wouldn't you? I mean, like it's, it's absolutely. I mean, I mean, there, there, there's one um, amazing shop that um, I was allowed to photograph recently, and it just shows the ground level is maybe eighteen twenty inches lower than it was today because the sea was much further out. And you, re- and you referenced a place called the Red House. What, what house? That Red wasn't house. Walter Raleigh's house, no? No, 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 no. The Red House is actually in the middle of town. And it's called a Red House, sometimes called a Dutch house. Now, there's uh, almost an exact copy of it, 
opposite the art gallery um, in the Crawford Art Gallery in Cork. It, it's now a, a, a cafe. That's um, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know yeah, that building. But, yeah. yeah, but the one in, in York, it was a, it, it was an amazing building, a huge, huge building. But uh, it was it, at the moment, it's divided into three parts: the main section of it, the Red House, and then there's a hotel on the left hand side, and there's a, a, a laundress. But there was all one building. At is, the there, start. is there a ghost in there? Yes, and it's ex- now. If you uh, ever get to meet um, Una O'Hagan, who used to read the news in RTE, yeah. Una has stayed there many, many times. They're Our very interested is- in the paranormal, aren't they, and in the spirit world, oh, and yeah. psychic, and well, what have you. What she is actually, um, she, her husband, Cullum Keane, uh, grew up in the house. And the, the strange thing about that ghost is if you go to bed at night and you leave your clothes on the, on, on the ground, in the morning, they'll be folded neatly on the chair next to your bed. <laughs> and she just didn't, she, she laughed at the idea. And did it happen and to her? Are you sure it wasn't a it, housekeeper? It, it, it happens to her several times. And she's, she's talked about it. And she and her husband both got interested in the paranormal. And that's why you have this book on Padre Pio. I mean, how does Padre Pio, how does that actually work? And they have, uh, you know, they, they just literally are fascinated by the stories of things Amazing. that you can't explain but, literally. And what about your good self? Have you ever come across a ghost or a spirit or a spook? The nearest I ever came to it was I, I get phantom pains, ghost pains all the time. Uh, when I was a young lad, I lost a finger. And now, 60 years later, I actually can still feel the pain. I've absolutely vividly, and I, I know there's nothing, my, my finger's not there, but I can actually feel it. My brain is telling me there's pain there. I can feel the pain, and I know I can see with my hand, there's nothing there, but I can feel it oh, perfectly. And, and I'm with Shakespeare on this. There's more on earth than our you know our philosophy can explain or our science can explain there's an awful lot more but I actually well, no, well, this is one strange thing I did actually see a man moving his legs one time at Lourdes and the the, the, the steward came over and said uh, he's a brancardier in French the steward came over to me and said can you tell me what you saw I said I saw that man he was in a wheelchair and then they put him in the water and I saw his legs moving and they said, will you sign a statement? I said, of course I'll sign a statement because I saw his legs moving. Yeah. But apparently he had been totally and utterly paralyzed. And suddenly he began to move his legs. Now, that could have been psychosomatic. Well, it that, could have been. that may not have been a spirit, but it sounds like a miracle. <laughs> well, it, it's actually in the list of miracles for, for Lourdes. It was a German... And I actually, I was there, uh, I saw it, but I can't say it was a miracle. All I can say is I saw this man's legs moving. And that's what I was asked to, I I wasn't asked to explain it, I couldn't, but I did see it. Amazing. Listen, before I let you go, congratulations on your terrific book on Mary Pike and uh, her... um Kidnapping and uh, Rape at the Hands of Henry Brown Hayes. A fantastic read. Do you enjoy writing it? It was amazing. And strange enough, an awful lot of people have been on to me about checking bits and pieces yeah. of the story. Yeah. It, it, I, it's a story like that. That It's part of Cork history. It's an Vernon amazing Mount House. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I know you yourself had a huge interest in Vernon Mount. Massive interest in it and heartbroken when, the, when, when eventually, even though I suspected it would happen, it would get ransacked and burnt down and lo and behold, it did. You know. Oh, it was an awful, it's a tragedy it, 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 because it, it really is a wonderful story and it's it's part of our, 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 our whole Cork heritage. Is the book still available, Karen? Oh, it is. Uh, Waterstones are very good. To, they, they, whenever they, people ask them, Waterstones, 
give me a buzz and they'll have you have it the next day. Okay, what's it called again? The Much Maligned Mary Pike. The Much Maligned Mary Pike. For those that are interested in Cork history or indeed the story of Mary Pike in Vernamont and Henry Brown Hayes, it's a great read. Listen, great to catch up, Kieran. Look after yourself. Thanks very much, Neil. Take care. God bless. Actually, Anita says the whole of y'all is haunted, I swear. I used to own a house on South Abbey, and one day I was in bed with a headache when the wardrobe door opened and my dog who was sleeping on the bed jumped out and started snarling in the direction of the wardrobe. All her dog hair stood up. I never got over, uh, I never got over a headache so fast. I nearly broke my legs trying to jump over the dog and off the bed and out the door. I never stepped foot in that room again. That's in y'all. My family owned a house on Rectory Road. I guess that's y'all. And we had a number of experiences. One which involved my four-year-old sister being dragged from the bed and held upside down in the corner of the room. Are you serious, Rory? Held upside down in the corner of the room. The house is above Clancy's Bar facing the beach. Denise says, this definitely is not nonsense or imagination. There is no doubt that more than one house in Yall was or is still haunted. Uh, Michael says, I've never seen a ghost in Yall. There are plenty of gowl bags there, all right? Not ghosts, but gowls. Um, Paul says, she's, isol- uh, da, da, da. she's isolating at the moment, the ghost of Yall or Mal Goggin. She's not coming out anymore for anyone. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's typical Cork wit. Reminds me yesterday. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was reading out the top 10 beaches in Ireland from Lonely Planet, right? If you weren't listening yesterday. I was reading them out. Knackle Island got two and Donegal got two and Kerry got two. I was saying, do you not think they've got to s- spread them around fairly and give them Cork one? We have fabulous beaches. And somebody said, no, we don't want to be on that list. We never want to be on the Lonely Planet top 10 beach list because we don't want them coming down. We just don't want to have to share our beaches with these people. Anyway, Noreen says, it's a myth, or unless she's coming out of retirement to scare the county of Cork. Louise says, this story is as old as the hills about the men leaving Clancy's bar and going through the station gates and seeing her by the back wall of one of the gardens. I grew up where they're meant to have seen her. My back garden was right on to the station. My parents still live there. None of us have never seen anything. If it was true, I'm sure I would have bumped into her many, many times. Whether it's Mal Goggin or not, I do not know. But anyway, back to the phone as we go. Let me get some calls on the air. Will. Good morning, Neil. Um, you, you think that she's a traveling ghost that travels east and west? Because like, when you refer to the white lady, the white lady is the Charles Ford ghost. Yeah, but she purportedly travels along the, along the coast. Right, okay. Because it wouldn't be a fire old jaunt along the coast for a ghost to go from Kinsale to Yall, I suppose. Well, mentioning you all there, I know that last chap was very interesting. Uh, two things I'd like to say is that um, I, as a young lad, uh, we stayed in Claycastle and uh, I think we only rented. It was an old railway carriage. The windows were the windows in it had to be put up now with a leather belt. Wow. And the other thing I wanted to mention and what that chap mentioned about in Carrick Tool, um, I know there's caves and a, a friend of mine, because I lived in Middleton for many years, uh, a friend of mine who has a farm there, there are caves under that. And also the um, the Watermans in Glontan, the, the family are, are, are friends of mine. And one of the lads told me that uh, on the entrance going into Little Island, there's a cave near the roundabout. And he said he actually um, went in a dinghy underneath oh, the island. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. He, and, uh, yeah, like Kieran Groger was talking about a, water, a complete network of caves. But did your mother, tell me about your mother. Um, she said to you that she, went, in the 70s, she saw a ghost on Onahinsha Beach, is it? Correct. Um, 
basically, um, my mum and some of my sisters had mobile homes in, in Coffee Hayes Field there at, um, across on the beach. And um, my mum was always terrible. We, ha- we also had a bungalow made out of false boxes in Sabin, <laughs> uh, where, where there was a, haunt, a famous haunted house. I, I'll dwell on that in a moment. But the only incident, um, we were there for many years, and it just so happened that one day she came up and she was quite shook. And this lady, my mum, was not terrified of anything like that because she used to hide and cross saving and behind the graveyard and frighten the children coming up, her own children, coming up from the little disco that they had below the Legion, they used to call it. <laughs> but um, she came up anyway and she basically described that there was a, she was sat now, anybody that knows on a hint on the German side, but in front of the hotel, not the, the German hotel, the, 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 um, we call it the Irish Hotel. Okay. Yeah. There's a little island. There's a little island that goes out like a headland, and we say we call the German side the one on the left, and then there's another beach on the right of that headland. Well, she said she was sat on the German side, tucked in because of a little bit of wind. It was around this time of the year, and um, she said she just saw this beautiful lady just coasting along, all in white. But she said she was shocked. She had no fees. She said she just, and she said it, it, it was about 10 or 15 seconds, it, it just wasn't a blur. And she just saw her disappear into the actual, around the corner of the headland. Like the lads, like Eugene spoke of a long white dress and a large broad hat, nothing like that. She didn't mention any hat or anything like that, not that I could recall. No, it's a long time ago, Neil. But if your mother um, was prone to frightening kids in graveyards, how do you know she wasn't making that up? Um. I'd be honest with you, I was always sceptic myself, Neil, but the thing is, when they tell you, uh, when you see and touch things yourself, it's something's happened to me. I used to live in Middleton, and the lady knocked at my door one day, and she was a lady by the name of Gypsy Rose Lee. And I... I, I a fortune, the fortune teller. Yeah. Be, I'd be very brief. I didn't want to know, but the thing is, she, I tried to get rid of her, and she just said, look, I'll read your face, and I was kind of trying to get rid of her, and she read my face. And within two, within two years, everything that she said to me and things that she said to me at the time, right, was all true. It all, it all came to pass. And she, she actually what I was going through at the time and my family, she was able to, she was able to tell me everything. She, simple little things like she said, uh, your father has passed in the last 12 months. She told me the number of children that I had. She told me what was going to happen to me in the following two to three years and everything came to pass. And then, now, just I'd be, I'd be a bit worried if somebody came to your front door unannounced, unwanted, um, and started giving you bad news. Though she went to all the hoses, but she should give you bad news. She did. You see, uh, I mean, how? But it was the truth. Uh, yeah, but like, it was the truth. did you want to know? I did want to know. As I said, I tried to get rid of her, but I never believed in anything like that. But there was things that happened. I'm, I'm quite sure it happened to other people in their lives, like. My mum, when she said, um, when she was alive, she said that um, when she passed, that she was going to let me know that she's still around. And I said, how are you going to let me know? She said, I'll probably touch her shoulder or something like that. But she said, I'm not going to frighten you. So getting to Crosshaven, uh, a young lad in the family and myself were fishing off the Bull Rock. And we were making our way across by Bay Band's bungalow, which is in Church Bay. And it was get, just starting to get dark. And we, we had our um, fishing rods all tied up and everything the whole lot, nothing loose and all of a sudden I got pulled back by the rod 
And they turned around to the young lad and they said, look, you want to watch where you're walking? They said, you're, you're catching the rod. He said, I didn't touch it. So we walked on further and I made sure he was about six feet away from me on the right and all of a sudden my, my rod was wrenched back. Now I'm someone, anyone that knows me, I lifted heavy weights down through the air. So yeah. it was very, very strong. I was yeah. pulled back. And then I checked my own rod to see was the gut hanging down or anything. I was going to ask you, was the hook catching a rock or something? No. Yeah. No, no, no. I made sure of everything. Everything was all secure. And I just turned around. I said, Mom, you're frightening the PJs out of the two of us. Will you stop? And that wasn't the end of it, Neil. I went up and stayed. We had uh, my my mum and dad had a, a bungalow in Church Bay made from Ford's boxes because he walked in Ford's. And... One of the girls that stayed with us uh, in, in the bungalow that weekend, um, she turned around to me the following morning after that incident, and she says, I met your mother. I says, what? So I went. She, she, she came to me last night. I had go away, I said. She said, I'm telling you. She said, would her name be Maisie? Nobody would have known that. This but girl didn't know your mother or anything, no? No, never met her. All right, go never on. Never met her or nothing. Yeah. Right? No, the thing is, actually... The woman that I'm on about, my mother is to you, yeah, a former neighbour of yours, um, great grand, great great grandmother. Sorry, great grandmother. Right. Julie Curtin. Right. Former neighbour of yours. Yeah. But the thing is, it, it's like I became a believer after that. Now getting back to the four boxes. Um, okay, just just on that, because that's that's only I've only got a tiny little bit of time left. But I heard that okay. there were that the, you know many of those bungalows from I remember for years ago were either fours boxes or they were railway carriages that would primarily the road from Fountainstown to Myrtleville. Yeah, well, the thing is, my father worked in Fords and I had a brother and I worked in the railway, and the bungalow was carried basically bit by bit uh, on a bike from the Fords factory to Greenmount and then it was transferred by car down to Crosshaven it basically was a two bedroom little bungalow beautiful and as you said yourself very very cosy cool in the summer very cosy in the winter and uh, the doors were actually railway carriages had these little curved key handles and there was a lot of them back in the day but there's only is there only like something like one of them left now uh, probably but I don't think it's in very good condition like I stayed in one of them years and years ago. Uh, you could tell that it wasn't a properly built house, but it was still was beautiful. It was very cozy. It was kind of rustic, you know. Yeah, ours was lovely. Actually, there are people who might find this interesting. Actually, um, my friend, um, my friend Jack Jack Gorman's father actually drove a double decker bus into the site beside us parked it up and it was there for many many years many people would know it it was on the Temple Breedy Road on the way up to the fort did he live in the double decker bus no it was a summer home there was, a, there was another one um, I the double decker bus was, was the summer home oh, in yeah. Crosser it was yeah and there was another one above in, uh, on the Grabal Road <laughs> double decker bus pictures of them I'd love to so, see the pictures Will. it drove in it actually drove in there Neil <laughs> okay. and it was used for many many years that's a fact and All it right. turned out 50 years later, it turned out that my friend, who was a very good personal friend of mine, his dad drove it in. <laughs> nice stories. Appreciate it. Thank you for sharing. Back after 11. we got a lot of texts and calls on this. Text 0868104106. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Emerald Music Station of the Year. 
You're on Cork's Red FM. Okay, free food Friday shout-outs courtesy of yourselves and Oak Fire Pizza for every bit at our Dara Cope Foundation doing a great job caring for our special needs adults. Hi to Peter Kavanagh painting in the garden and melancholic before the afternoon rain. You'll be fine this afternoon. Just be a couple of showers. Jump in and out. Uh, Skull Coleman at uh, in Whitegate, the primary school there. Uh, Yvonne is an SNA but working from home at the moment with teenagers. Jerry Ryan's working at home from Clonakilty as well. Morning to Ken and everybody who loves pizza at Reynolds Logistics in Little Island. Ted Kelleher, first aid in McCroom. Uh, well, so we got my sister-in-law, Amanda, working very hard from home for the past year. Uh, also looking after her mom and dad who live together. She's just bought her own home herself and deserves a treat to congratulate her on the achievement of getting her own home by 30 years of age. And we're so proud of her. Uh, morning all. Love some uh, food for my husband and his colleagues. They spent a lot of time away from home and they'd love to win. I'm not quite sure what they do but, or who they are. No names, but morning to them all the same. The Mercy ED Department. Morning to Liam and all of the staff. Little Anne's Child Care and Redemption Road. Titans Construction. They are the Titans. Uh, Cork Cleaning Solutions at Monagorni Yard are listening this morning. Mercer's on call on Patrick Street. Alter Domus at the airport. Little Island Dental Surgery. Tesco Paul Street are listening. Um, sometimes I think I'm reading out the names of a horse in a horse race. Uh, the Close Horse Dry Cleaners and Carrick Tool, iTrolley.ie, St. Luke's Home, Penny Dinners, Round Hill Service Station Abandoned, the Alzheimer and Alzheimer's and Dementia Unit in St. Luke's, Ultrasound Girls and the Bonds, Shirley's Beauty and Laser Clinic, and the Wallace Family in White's Cross. So we'll do one more blast of shout-outs just before midday, and we'll pick a winner. We'll have three winners today. Each of you will receive four pizzas, four pizza vouchers, the large pizza vouchers, with sides and you can pick up your pizzas then hot and piping from Oak Fire Pizza Real Wood Fire Pizza Clonakilty Bandon Princess Street and Gilabas Street lines were open for all of the business this all started with um, a text that came in from Eugene in the early 80s staying in uh, big houses facing the sea and yawl near the railway tracks himself and the brother-in-law saw the ghost of a young woman about 20 feet in front of them. Uh, white dress, large, broad hat. It looked like the sun was shining on her. Within 20 or 30 seconds, she just disappeared. Uh, some texts on that. Martin says, was this person drinking spirits when they saw the spirits? And then Kira asks, what about the old woman in Carrick Tuhill? She used to walk up and down the path with a buggy with two dolls inside it. I always wondered what happened to her. Does anybody else know who I'm on about? Not a ghost, but a real person, an elderly woman in Carrick Tool who would walk regularly with a buggy and two little dolls. It's sad, isn't it? Eileen um, says, myself and my family stayed in these houses for a holiday in the 80s in Yall. A family friend owned them at the time and these houses are extremely haunted. We ran out of the place. Windows were slamming on their own. Doors would slam regularly. The feeling of evil energy, nobody's business. This girl has been seen loads of times, the one you're talking about, with long white dress, broad white hat. Broad hat. Uh, Yall was a pirate town, remember? These houses were used as watchouts to see who was invading by sea. The prisoners were taken to the houses, so you can imagine what atrocities occurred in Yall. I don't want to be dissing the houses in Yall because somebody owns them, like in all fairness, be fair to them. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Anthony, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? At a certain period in your life, you were landscaping, weren't you? Down yes. Cahar Kiven and Port McGee and Valencia Way. Yes, I was. Were they rich, were you working for years. rich were you working for rich Yanks or something? Yes. <laughs> okay. And they had a friend that was staying and he was a fortune teller and a sidekick and I thought 
the oh, this is only a load of rubbish. And they said, oh, he'll give you reading. And you don't have to pay for it or anything. And I went to him. They didn't know anything about my family or anything like that. He was able to tell me how my father passed away. And he was able to say, um, there's someone else in your family with cancer. And it's going to come back. And it's going to be in their stomach and in their bones. And it turned out to be my mother a couple of years later. And he said, you are going to go into nursing. And did you? Yes. You see, you wonder, do they just take a punt on certain things? Unfortunately, cancer does visit families. Unfortunately, our parents pass away, you know? But how would he know? Well, all of our parents will pass away. Yeah, but how do you know the intimate details of my parents? Oh, I mean, I, I don't know how intimate he got. Intimate, told. Yeah, intimate enough to surprise you anyway, clearly. Oh, definitely. I was shocked. Everything I that he told you came, yeah. Very, very carefully said about that profession. But I still went ahead and did it, so... I know some people dis psychics and that and the other, but... Did he talk to you about, uh, as a psychic, about the spirit world and things like that? Because a lot oh, of them yeah. fellas are, are... A lot of those people are, are said to be charlatans, you know? They're more more showmen and showwomen than anything. Oh, no, this guy now, he was from Florida, and he's a psychic to a lot of famous people, a lot of Hollywood stars and stuff. And I was just, uh, I said, well, my God, I may as well take the chance. I wouldn't want to, you see, yeah. uh, But did you live your life according to what he had told you then, no? Yes. Everything he said came true. My mother died shortly afterwards then, yeah, from stomach cancer. See, would you want to know these things, like, you know? Well, I don't know. Some people uh, some people are curious. I just thought it was a novelty. I said, I thought, mm, I'll try it. I certainly wouldn't want to know, absolutely under no circumstances whatsoever, because firstly, you don't know what you're dealing with, what this person is capable of telling you, and you don't want to be living with the worry or the fear. Well, I didn't have any worry or fear. All right. Okay. Each to his but own. I thought every, everything that he said came true. Nice one. Okay. Have a good weekend, Anthony. As always, Fiona, good morning. How are you, Neil? I'm well, thank you. Temple Michael. Where is that? So just before you hit the water bridge, you take a left down the river road. Uh, just a couple of minutes down that road there. Um, it's like... For years, we heard of ghost stories going on down there. I can't 100% remember what the ghost story was. I think there was a woman and she was supposed to get married and something happened and someone drowned. 
But the story I have is actually my brother's story. Okay, share um, it anyway. I know that yeah. I know that that road. It's a beautiful road along the Blackwater, and there's a yeah. very old ruin there. Forgive me. Was that a monastery or something? That's or Temple Michael. A, a, that was an abbey and a monastery and a church yeah, and a temple. That's all te- Temple Michael, all there. Oh that my area. God. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, unreal really really beauty. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unreal. Um, we scare it out of people now. Um, so, uh, so oh yeah, so my brother and he was in the scout, and they were playing a game of manhunt, which is just kind of chasing but two lads were on and then the rest of the troop were trying to find him so they were skulking around and hiding and stuff and they were in around the church area and it was still a, a ruins at this stage um, but they heard a couple of people chatting and they went and they had a look and they could see uh, two men and a woman a woman they thought quite dressed up maybe going to a wedding and they were like they still having weddings here you know uh, and the, the three people went into the kind of the church part and the two boys went in after him saying you know what was going on and maybe we could you know also hide here or whatever and they walked in and he said seconds after them and there's no other way out there's just these really narrow stairs up to nowhere and they were gone nobody there and he said he was just so scared that they just ran back to the rest of the troop and just like freaked them all out <laughs> But uh, how did, yeah, like two men and a woman in wedding gear smoking f- fags. Cigarettes. Yeah. But like, it. how does yeah. he know that they just weren't there for a photograph, a photo op? Absolutely, after- he doesn't. <laughs> but there was enough of it. I think it's because they went into the building and there was no other way out of the building. And the two boys had come in seconds after them. They disappeared, in other words. They disappeared, in other words. And I suppose they were... 12, maybe 11 or 12, and they just got quite scared of it. They, they weren't able to describe the type they of clothing? Yet. No, he never said that, and I meant to ask him that, but I think he thought, I think they were probably too young as well to say was it old style, or, you know, they just thought wedding gear, so it would have been suits and, you know, kind of nice dress or whatever, you know. I so I so want that to be spirits from a couple of hundred I years know. ago that are trapped down in Temple Michael. <laughs> Don't you? Well, there was. I was listening to to, to Kieran Gregor, and he was actually my brother's um, principal in school. And I heard Kieran's after writing a book. My brother wrote a book as well. Did he about what? He did. Oh, it's actually it's a, a dystopian future. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit you know we've ruined the world and. <laughs> They're living in a dome with synthesized water and air. It could, it could happen, though. I mean, I'm telling you. You see really what a pandemic can more, do. Anything's more, possible. More likely than ghosts, I think, anyway. <laughs> he may not be far from the mark, your brother, in fairness. No, and t- uh, yeah, and we were, we're lucky he's on his uh, sequel to it now. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing it. Appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. Actually, that is a beautiful area, lads. Uh, you'll be able to go to places like uh, Temple Michael. Uh, it's on the Blackwater and over across. You've got beautiful views of big, massive, old, stately homes. Uh, and there's a bend in the river there just where the old... I, I mean, it, they, I didn't know it was called Temple Michael. I always knew it was the ruins of something religious or what have you. It's still all of there. There's a beautiful tree just on the bend of the river. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you walk down to it. I think there's an old graveyard in the area as well. You go down this pathway, down onto the water, um, down onto the Blackwater, and it would be the most beautiful place 
on a sunny day to just sit and have a picnic. It's one of the more glorious places that I've ever come across. I've gone back there many, many times. I find it very peaceful in the area. Now, can I just mention this? Because I do want to be as fair as I can, even though I'm accused of not being all of the time. But people get confused as to whether I'm saying something or whether it's text or email. But even on that basis, um, some people believe that I read too many negative emails out. So anyway, I just passed it on for what it's worth. I really hope you do e- read my email. I am not a teacher. I'm a 35-year-old tradesman with no kids. But I just do want to comment on all of the teacher bashing, which I believe is an absolute disgrace. Now, you say, Neil, you can't decide what not to read out or what to censor because you need to give everyone a free voice. But what you're actually doing is reading out texts that constantly abuse abuse a profession. Uh, what you do is not freedom of speech. That's abuse and bullying constantly every day on your show. Teacher bashing by cowards. Teacher bashing by people with a gang mentality texting in. Teachers educate the future of our country. Teachers do a lot more than we realize, yet people are talking about them like they are scum. You should be man enough and stand up and say... This isn't right and enough with the abuse unless you have a valid point. If I texted into your show and said all DJs are overpaid, all DJs think they're special, all DJs are a joke and should cop themselves on, etc., you wouldn't be long nipping that in the bud. Um, incidentally, how do you know I'd nip it in the bud? How do you know I mightn't agree with you? Uh, you have people coming down on teachers every single day. You wouldn't be censoring anybody, you say. You wouldn't be stopping the constant bullying and abuse. I know you probably won't read this email out on air, but I hope you do see it at least. Well, there you have it, Ty. Not only did I see it, uh, but I read it out. Because why? Because you're you're as entitled to anybody else with an opinion. You're as entitled to anybody else with a point of view. Um, That's what this is all about. I'm mad keen um, for reading out as much of the positive ones as I can find with regards to teachers. And I do come across them, actually. I haven't put teachers in this situation. I really and truly haven't. Uh, the situation is of um, the COVID, government promises, and teachers' unions threatening to strike. Just one word on the teachers and indeed special needs assistance. I work in a special needs school and we certainly do not deserve all the backlash that we're getting in schools. We do not expect to get the vaccine before anyone in the older age range category or anyone with underlying conditions. But we do want to get the vaccine over healthy people in the general public or people who are working from home regardless of their age. Our classes may not be large, But the children we work with have underlying conditions themselves. We deal with a lot of personal care needs, toileting, different types of bodily fluids. Children sit on our laps. They try to remove our masks. We're all on top of each other due to behavioural issues. We are not in the same category as supermarket workers with a plastic screen. Uh, And that's just straight to the point, talking especially on behalf of special needs teachers, but also teachers themselves. The point being made, we do not want to get the vaccine Uh, over people who are elderly. We do not want to get the vaccine over people with an underlying condition, but we do want to get the vaccine ahead of healthy people, regardless of their age, in the general public. Or indeed, we do want to get the vaccine ahead of people who are working from home. Okay, happy with that. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. And you can email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. I can't go on air due to my job, but I'd like you to read out my text if you can. The whole Middleton to Yall railway affair that you spoke about recently is a classic example of how the public have been conned by our public reps. The town of Yaw has been blighted by lack of investment and unemployment for many years now. A rail link would have solved a lot of the problems. It would have made Yaw accessible to day trippers during the summer months 
which would have a knock-on effect on local businesses and employment. It would have given people in Yall access to jobs in Middleton every day, jobs in Little Island, jobs in Cork City. I spoke to a lady from Yall recently who was offered a job in Middleton but had to refuse because it was a 6am start and the bus service was so unreliable. When the Greenway was proposed, a debate began about reopening the railway. We were told that it was not feasible, that the funding could only be used for a Greenway, not a railway. We were told that if we didn't take it, another part of the country would get it instead, which is a well-known sales tactic people use. Those who argued for the railway said it would alleviate traffic in Killa, Castle Martyr and the Lakeview Roundabout in Middleton. Unfortunately, it was the Greenway that got the green light. No sooner was this announced when Airgrid decided that the Greenway would double up as a route for the interconnector cable. Cable. It would certainly make you wonder where the funding came from and why every councillor in TD was behind the Greenway and not a railway. Uh, morning, uh, I'm a taxi driver in Cork. We bring care workers to work, hospitals, shop assistants, all frontline workers. We get no recognition for the work we do. Care workers, hospital, hospital staff, shop assistants, frontline workers all get into the back of taxis. My wife has uh, lupus. She has no idea when she's getting the vaccine. We're living in the same house where separation where possible is fully complied with when we can. But it's tough because she's terrified as her chances of uh, because her, terrified as her chances if she gets COVID of surviving it are nil. Why in God's name are teachers being so one sided? It's absolutely terrible. You, you do realize that teachers do not want to be vaccinated ahead of people like your wife. They do not. They don't. They just, they want to be vaccinated ahead of, of uh, healthy young people who aren't teachers and aren't guards or SNA workers. You know, there's a big difference in what teachers say. They don't want to take the place of somebody who's uh, immunosuppressed, elderly or unwell. I was never part of this. Never part of it. Um, just want to say that we, the teachers, don't want to be taking vaccines from anyone else. All this arguing, slating and bad press is not nice to listen to. But I understand the public's point of view on teachers. This is from a teacher. If the vaccine rollout was sufficient, none of us would be going on, would be going on now about it. It makes me so cross that other countries where the rollout is much faster. It's the same old story here, though. Broken promises time and time again from a government. And we're now fighting a pandemic over who gets the vaccine, never mind the pandemic itself. I'm a teacher with 20 years. I teach a large class of infants. I love my job and the children in my care. I have a family myself and elderly parents waiting for the vaccine, whom I've continued to visit when working as when working, as I have had no choice but to visit. My dad is unwell and being cared for at home. He passed away recently. Everyone is doing the best. We're all sick of the situation, but all the bad press on who should get what and when, etc. is just awful. Can I just say as a teacher, the majority of teachers don't want this hassle. And yes, I know there are those teachers that moan about everything. But please, that is not all of us, uh, says Neil, of a teacher by email to neil at redfm.ie. See what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to be as balanced and accentuate the positive and those in support of teachers or teachers themselves whenever I get a chance. Oh, lovely. I, I'm here to tell that um, a few texts there with regards to the lovely lady who walks the streets in Carrick Tool with her buggy and her dog. She's hale and hearty, says Mary. The woman in Carrick Tool is still there. I beep and salute her every time I pass. You're talking about the lady in Carrick Tool. She's still around. I saw the other day, happy and smiling as usual. We all love her around Carrig. She makes a smile, particularly on the sunny days. You'll see her out and about enjoying the fresh air. Well, good luck to her in fairness and thank you for coming back and telling me a little bit more about her. Philomena, good morning. Good morning. So we started with Mal Goggin, which is the ghost of y'all. She's 
standing on Maul Goggins' corner looking out to sea waiting for her boyfriend to come home from sea. He was a sailor. Um, and that was one ghost. You had a few experiences as well. Um, yes. Um, going back to my childhood, um, my father had um, summer houses in Crossave and my late father. So at the time, we used to have to go to the pump to get water, you know? Yeah. So um, me and my brother, there's only a year between us, Greg, if he's listening now, Greg and uh, myself were going over. We had to go down the boarding then in Merkel, down the boarding towards the, the pump. So the two of us were going up and we had to go over a ditch. Which, it was about 10 o'clock uh, getting dark, like and my parents used to say, be careful. So as we were going over the ditch anyway, Cooney's boarding was the name of it. Um, this lady, all in black, small, uh, low size, I said to Greg, be careful, don't, don't, uh, be careful, the little woman, it's a bit late for her. So, yeah, go be ahead careful, the little went, woman, it's a bit late went, for her. He went, you know, she, she went to help her and she disappeared. <laughs> really? Yeah, she did, she disappeared. They, that, um, twice we saw that, that lady, she disappeared. He and, saw her as well then? I do, oh yeah, both. Uh, went back, I ran away from it all along the fields screaming on my own. He had to carry on to get to water because the you know, parents were strict that time. And I said, ma'am, we're after seeing a ghost. She gave me a slap anyway. <laughs> what she slap you for? <laughs> because I was screaming that we're after seeing a ghost. So, ma'am, do you know Coney's boring? She knew was inside her because she's love class haven. Um, do you know Coney's? I, I do, she said. Well, we were all going over the ditch and this woman like, all in dark clothes and so I said Gregory mind her she's a bit late for her so we both going on to ten and um, he went to help her as she disappeared so there was another house then which I can name out at the moment and married now like and my daughter was back um, in Blarney Street they'd be going back four years ago we rented out a house in Blarney Street had another experience there one night I was above in bed and my daughter was in the bed, the back room at the time. And my husband wasn't in the all and I said to myself, what's happened to him? I know he's time for going and coming. So when I was lying down, I was fully awake. And no ham came, a fingers came down my face. What? And I thought, a hand, as like a dead hand. Did you see it or just feel it? Uh, feel it feel it as if something happening though it was a cobweb I suppose was it a spider no, it t- was a hand and I went down the stairs and there was my husband outside the door the front door after getting a faint I just got up absent-minded why did he get a faint a bad turn he got a bad turn and it was like a hand it was like someone telling me that he was outside the front oh, door. Oh, go down, your husband's that. after. It was, in, it was in Blarney Street, no, and the house, I can't name the house because those people, that house was haunted. Footsteps up the stairs by night as well. And I got out of it, I got out, I can't name the Did house. Did you not stay there because of the hand and the footsteps and all that kind of well, thing? Well, I, I, I went, I left then, like, you know, I, 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 I was never, I was a blessed every night. And I told the lady next door, did she say anything to the neighbour? Yeah, that's a haunted house. She didn't know, did she? There was only two neighbours. I, 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 it's only two neighbours. I can't name the, 
Oh, like no, I don't want to be frightening the people that are in it yeah, now. Don't yeah, tell yeah, me where it is. There's only two houses, you see. In the, where I was. Do you think the hand on your face was the ghost telling you go downstairs, your husband's had a yeah. turn? It was me. Yeah. I'd I never forget that. I'd never forget. Yeah, why, did they, why wouldn't they ever talk? Can they not talk and say, go downstairs, your husband's having a turn? Why do they have to be <laughs> frightening people? Like It was just a spirit, maybe just, it, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't ever recall that, no, like. I think you're very lucky, happen. any of you people who've had that happen. I'd love to have that happen to me. I wouldn't mind well, if I got the life frightened out of me. It would just be a great thing, wouldn't it? Well, happen. I didn't really get afraid. I just was stunned more than getting afraid. And I, I just got over the bed, got dressed, went down, like, I went downstairs, opened the front door, and my husband was lying across the front door. Wow. Yeah, and he grabbed him. I, I shook him. And I got I, the, the doctor, Wheeling, I think was his name. Yeah, but he time. could have been dead there on the flagstones and yeah, you were above in the bed if the ghost didn't run their hand down your face. Well, because I like, get something, tell me something. Yeah, mean, you oh, know? absolutely. You know, absolutely. And then Crosshaven, we lived in every house in Crosshaven I stayed. I stayed... This is Casey. I hope she's not listening to me. A loved, uh, lovely lady. Across from Pine Lodge, we stay there. And my mother was only dead a couple of months then. Twelve months back when we stayed. I stayed every place in Crosshaven. You name it, I stayed there. <laughs> Where did they go? I was in hard the houses. I was everywhere. And one night, I know it was coming on to the, into daylight. I said, uh, I looked over, my mother was only dead, I was very close to her, and when I looked over, she was dead at the time. Her spirit, she stood, because she was to be always in Crossave, because my father had prop, uh, houses down there. Now, there's one house in Crossave, and yes, in the Cooley's Field, that's um, people have that, they don't know. Margin, no. Do you and think that there was an old house in Cooney's Field that the small little woman at 10 o'clock at night would have lived in an old cottage there at some stage? A right. small house behind that with all hedges. It was, it was a ruin, was it? Uh, Cooney, Mr. Cooney was his name. And we'd go over then for our vegetables and all that. Uh, we were the kids that time. I right? know, I know. You, you just seem to have some kind of some psychic power. You attract spirits. Jeez, I hope not. <laughs> no, it was just two of us, like, we're just going for the water. Like, we had to drag two buckets, small buckets of water, because there was no water that time. Yeah, and, and, and do your dad had houses down there, or were they Ford's boxes yeah, or railway no, carriages? Yeah. They were, uh, no, that beautiful house. My brothers and my father had a trade, they were in the building now. So, my, he had five sons. And I just told them they know, like every father, parents are dead long ago. God rest their souls. And they used to build, they used to build houses. Not all houses, though. They used to, that, that was their trade. Build them and sell them, yeah. Yeah, I know what you yeah, mean. Their yeah, their trade, yeah. But my father had two houses. There's one house house still, I don't know about the second house. I was down there a couple of months there with my sister. There was uh, one house, there's one house up to my father at the moment. And that's in Cooley's Field. But it's all build more the people that have it. Oh yeah, you didn't leave didn't leave you any didn't leave you any holiday home down in Crosser, no? Well, half of my family there was ten of us. Half of the family hated Crosser, didn't like Crosser, but <laughs> as some of them did like. 
but go on. Go on. They're going to Spain and things like that. I know, no. yeah. I know. Reverse Spain. We, could, we were too young. Uh, we weren't at the time. At the time, we were too young. Like. It was no Spain. Like, yeah, it was y'all, Crosser, Fountainstown, West Cork, places like that. Go on, I'll let you go on. I'll and let then you go on. In the village, I stayed in Tony Hartnett's place. <laughs> in the village. Was that haunted That's as well? It. No, that was all right. <laughs> but the spiders, that's the only thing I have to say. The spiders were really big. Spiders won't do anything to you. They're lovely oh, little things. Leave them alone. I dread them. Go on, I'll let you go because I have a feeling I'll be here all weekend talking so, to you otherwise. So that's the story, so. Good luck. Thanks, <laughs> Philomena. Cheers. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And I'll come back to everything else on Monday, but I'm pedestrianising the city. If done right, it could be magnificent, like dining in France or Italy. It'll be very romantic and a very relaxing ambiance in the city, says Shiona, if we only got a bit of weather. Uh, I did several trips to Germany. There's streets ahead of us with regards to outdoor dining, says Eilish. Have we the weather for all this outdoor eating? Ten months of rain here. Also, what about another 400 houses for Ballyvalan and the north side? It'll be so congested. Traffic will come to a halt. Money grabbing is what's going on. You might say money grabbing. Others might say build houses for people. Build homes for people. As delivery service person in the city centre, life is so stressful. Can't park on Washington Street. Can't park on McCurtain Street. Very hard to park on Patrick Street. Impossible on the South Mall for a big lorry. And this is with the shops closed. How are we meant to get the deliveries done if there's no parking for us? I'm off for change, but at least ban the cars from the city streets. Isn't that the intention, that you will go round it as best you can and use the arteries of the bridges to get across and back without... That was the whole idea about, about Patrick Street. Businesses freaked about Patrick Street, though. Uh, I can't wait to spend money in the pubs and restaurants again. I can't wait to meet my friends or just to be among people in general again. But at the same time, I hope we will have the choice to go inside or outside, whether just to have a drink or eat. And certainly no more time limits, please. I think we've all been restricted enough in the last year or so. Uh, and it's time to be able to relax and enjoy life again. Yes, and all of that will happen. Can I just talk to one more city centre business, if you don't mind? Then I'll finish on some texts and emails and our free food Friday winners as well. And if I get ghosts on air, well and good. But just a quick call with uh, Shane. Shane is at Amahani's Jewelers on Winthrop Street. Shane, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How so, are you? And Winthrop Street will be amongst the f- one of the first to get work done. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, well, we're actually pedestrianised already. Yeah, Neil, but they must be doing something to change it. Like maybe they're resurfacing it, or I don't know what. It, no, no change. Uh, no, no, no change here. Um, I, I think we're going to be uh, continuing on as usual. The like they did fabulous work here. Um, about yeah, but will it, yeah, no, I know it's pedestrianised. But will there be tables out there and chairs out there and have, having a coffee or a hot dog there or something like that? Well, there there already are tables and chairs out here. Um, like you've got O'Flynn's and you've got um, the Cafe Eco, um, who already have chairs out, and O'Brien's. But that's about the extent of the the outdoor no, dining on Winthrop Street. Well, no, I mean you could have McDonald's serving food and oh, eating out. Yeah, that's, ver- that's very true. I, I I hadn't actually thought about them. You you maybe might be give maybe the Long Valley a bit more. There's a there's also yeah, isn't there isn't there a, isn't there a Pizza shop there as well on the corner, Gino's, I think, or something like that. 
uh, Gino's is gone. It's Boojum oh. now. It's um, it's a, a, a burrito place. Um, but the Long Valley put in a, f- a fantastic um, outdoor dining spot there last year due to COVID. Um, they had uh, great kind of panelling around the edges and a canopy overhead. And it really did add a bit of atmosphere to the street. We but that would go then, wouldn't it? They And they'd be able to go, go further out onto... I'm just wondering, you know, further out onto Winthrop Street. I think so, yeah. um, as far as I'm aware. But I suppose the, the, the thing that... That, uh, that like I wanted to say was like we've been pedestrianised for years and it's been fantastic for the street here like it, it really is and you get great footfall as a result of it having those wide open footpaths but the one thing I really think they need to, to start doing is they need to look at like encouraging people not to use their cars and to bring in those um, those three other park and rides which they promised us um, I'd say it must have been true. nearly 20 years yeah, ago now true 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 um, yeah. from and the north and from the west yeah Exactly. And the the other thing which um, I think should definitely be extended out to the suburbs is that Coke bike scheme. Because, like, we could have, like, there's so many areas here which could be accessed fairly quickly from, from the suburbs and, and quite easily. And there's plenty of spots that you could, could have Coke bike stations. What would that mean that you would just, like, as an example, you might get a Coca-Cola bike in the city, but you'd be able to leave it at a drop point for Coca-Cola in, bikes in, in Black Rock or, or, or Douglas? Out, out, out in um, Bishopstown or Wilton or even out to, to Black Rock and Ballon Temple, like there's there's some you could be into the city in, in 10 minutes from most of these places on a bicycle and like if you think about all the commuters who, who could just leave their cars at home then as a result of that yeah, it mightn't be all that practical to somebody who wants to bring home shopping and bags with them to tootle down to Black no, Rock and a bike with bags on it it's, it, it won't for, 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 for people who are going shopping but if you're going to work um, like for for myself now, during the summertime, I leave the car at home and I cycle in if it's dry. Um, that's a that's a car that's not coming into the city. Um, and most people who are going to work, they're they're tending not to be going going shopping, doing like a a, a full grocery shop unless it's a, a Friday or, or or something like that. Okay, okay. Um, and and just then one other point. Then you want to you want to look at maybe. A better mix, is it? There's a yeah. fortune of businesses and and gone from the city. There's empty retail units everywhere. If you look at Patrick, look at well, I suppose look at Oliver Plunkett Street first of all. There's a great mix of retail, dining. There's some apartments overhead, and the, the the street is really buzzing all the time. And then you go on to Patrick Street. The council, for some reason, have had something against bringing food and dining onto Patrick Street. Whereas I think the the Spanish architect who actually designed Patrick Street, when you look at all those those wide plazas. I can only think that she thought we were going to have loads of outdoor dining, um, loads of seats. How in the name there. of God would she have ever thought that when, when she looked around and saw that it was all retail, Eason's, Rocha stores, uh, Cash's, Yeah, but, but surely Ron she Thomas. would have thought like, at some point that the city might... Uh, I, I don't know, would she have realised that the city were completely against having, having food on Patrick Street, that it was designated for retail only? I think they're waking up to the knowledge now that retail may not be the way forward as the only solution and that they now need a better mix. You need a mix because when people come in to 
to eat, they then will have a look around and they'll see the shops and the, and vice versa. If people are in shopping and they see a food place next door, they're going to support there. But also accommodation overhead. Like there's so much wasted space in the city centre. Oh, I, I, I know that and that is a very important topic. But with regards to people and their use of the city, you know what the big money ticket item is. It's parking and it's the cost of parking. You know, people who want to come into the city are not at all worried about who's living in the city. They want to know how much is it going to cost me. How practical yes, they is are. it? They are. Um, like I suppose there have been some great initiatives with with Cork City Council with Paul Street giving two hours free parking there. Um, that's been that that's been super for the past uh, the past year now since COVID. Um, it, it, it's really helped the city, I think. Um, and I think we do need more initiatives like that. Just just give a couple of hours of free parking in the multi stories um, and like. Even if you ha- had a, an hour's free parking somewhere, like that would would, would help. But um, I think the park and rides are definitely the way to go. Okay, my man. Thanks so much for taking the call. Have yourselves a good weekend. That's Shane from Diana Manny Jewelers. He talks on one thing, which is the Coca-Cola bikes, which leads me on to John, uh, who emailed me to say, um, this is more to do with cyclists and the ever-increasing amount of people on electric scooters. He says, Cork Rose has just become an unsafe. Cyclists and electric scooters users feel they have carte blanche now on the roads and footpaths. Um, proper regulation of pedal bikes and scooters would be a great way of dealing with these people who just whiz through red lights and fly along the footpaths, either on their bike or their electric scooter. On several occasions, I've witnessed cyclists who just do not obey the road traffic laws. Either they put themselves at risk or other users at risk or pedestrians. A theory and practical tests should be mandatory in order to obtain a license as many have no training in road safety, suggesting a license for cyclists or a license for electric scooters or both. They should also all have to pay road tax and insurance like other road users. And those that do not obey road laws should be penalized. As a driver, I've seen so many near misses with bicycles when cycling on the fa- pavement. Some cyclists don't slow down when coming up to a crossing. They nearly hit the cars. It's the car drivers who are required to have insurance to cover claims for personal injury or property damage. Should there be an accident? I believe all cyclists and e-scooters should similarly be required to have insurance to cover any dem- damage their negligence might cause. There should also be a track trace system in place of all sales of cycles for minors, as it would make parents responsible responsible for mandatory proficiency testing and insurance. They should also have fixed penalties meted out for non-compliance fixed charge notices penalty points for bikes and scooters fines and possible seizures of the bicycle of the scooter says John why don't you just arrest them and throw them in jail while you're at it throw away the key reopen spike for cyclists and electric scooter owners who don't play ball I mean we're sharing the roads now with more and more aren't we we've all seen the fellas and the girls who think that it's perfectly all right now to do their jogging and their running in the cycle lanes. So, like, it's bizarre. You're driving down the road, and on your left-hand side there, in the cycle lane, is a character. You have, I mean, it's not as if you're going to hit them or anything. It just looks weird, you know? That's on the roads and the cycle lanes, or even where there isn't a cycle lane, just on the road, cycling on against you. Anyway, if I don't shut up, I'll run rapidly out of time. Just one or two before I go. Liz, good morning. Morning. Happy days. Anyway, um, I was just talking there with uh, Will earlier on. He sent me a fantastic photograph. I don't know whether you heard him. He was talking about a double-decker bus that was converted into a holiday home down Cross Haven Way. He sent me a photograph of the bus. It looks absolutely amazing. 
many happy days we had down there with family. So we had to grow up when I was younger. Yeah, but could you imagine, like, the, 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 the double-decker bus has a canopy over the, you know, the old back door where, where the swingy bar, the swingy pole on it? That's right, yes. Oh, it's a fantastic job. Little, yeah, there was a little shed at the side of that there, and that was our our uh, our, uh, our outdoor toilet. <laughs> so it's incredible. So you know all about this. Oh, I do. Yes, I spent many happy down there, happy days down there with my cousins, the Cassidys. So my I, grandmother yeah, knew on. the lady that owned it. She was my grandmother lived on the low road, um, uh, Elizabeth Line, and uh, she knew the lady that had it. And we used to, used to get it every summer offer, and all the family from between Dublin and all over the all the families go down to and stay in the bus. Now I hope I'm able to post a photograph of the double decker family or summer home, but just describe the interior, how it was kitted out. Well, if I can remember, there was bedrooms upstairs. Uh, I think there was three small ones, and um, in which you sleep top and tail in the beds because we all the cousins used to sleep with that together. And then in the front part of the bus, where you would see where the old, where the big windows would be, would be one big double bedroom. So it would. And then downstairs, you come down the stairs of the of the bus itself, and you came in where the where the pole was was a little kind of little hall. And then you come up the two steps into it, and the two back seats will be the long back seats. Then in the buses, that that were long coach, were long seats as well. They kept those, and they used to sleep on those as well. And then we had a t- table uh, with chairs on it. And then where the, the bus driver used to drive the bus, they built on a little part of that there, and that used to be the kitchen. There used to be a sink and a cooker in there. Isn't and, that amazing? Uh, and the It was brilliant. We had great times down there. You great would times. not get away with something like that now. Oh, but, no way. No but, way. And no what? Way. how long was it there and what became of it in the end? Do you know? I have no idea. I think they, I think they sold the land after that. I think there's actually a house built there now because there was beautiful gardens and everything. It went down right onto the shores of the, the Crosshaven itself. It was on Church down Bay, wasn't it? It was up in Church Bay by the barracks, yeah. And tell me this, what colour was it? It was, if I can remember, it was it was t- painted different colours down to the years, but I think in one stage it was kind of brown and cream, if I can think so back, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, we had great times down there, great family holidays, great, loads of pictures, I'd say, of all down to the family, have loads of pictures, they say, of us all going up to staying in the bus, so we had, yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. But sooner or later it had to go. And God oh, knows where it went. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, I have no idea where it went. Yeah. The old double-decker bus. I love it. I yeah. really do. And you went there quite a bit. Oh, we did. Oh, the family used to go down there on holidays for the summer. There was, there, there, that was our holiday place for the summertime. And then down to the Marys and then back. And yeah, we'd sleep top and tail then on the beds upstairs. So we There's would, a yeah, little sign top, yeah. over, you know, it's the old buses, lads, the old double-deckers. They had an open back and a pole on them. And the, the conductor was back there with the red bell. But over that little... That's the main entrance into the bus. There, that would have been the main entrance to the yeah, bus. Yeah, and over it the there, I'm just looking at my eyesight isn't the greatest, but I can just make this out. I think the name was Clear View, it says. I think that's what it is, yeah, if I can remember, yes. Yeah, which was great. We had great times there. Great Super holidays. Super duper. Lovely stuff. Thanks for sharing, Liz. Appreciate it. No Thank problem. you. Thank you very much. Pat Bye-bye. also says, I remember the bu- double-decker, bu- double-decker bus in Church Bay. I believe it was originally owned by a panel beater. You could see it when sailing in and out of the port on the ferry. So we had four boxes, we had railway carriages converted into summer homes, and we had a double-decker bus as well converted into a summer home, and proof of them all by photograph, which have been um, sent on to me here this morning, which is great. Uh, please, would you give a big shout-out to my eight-year-old granddaughter, Aideen Adon, who will be finishing her marathon from FOTA 
on Sunday. She was at her target and we would like to thank everybody who supported her all week and donated so generously. We know there are so many worthy char- charities out there among who deserve support, but this is a, cl- a cause close to her heart as an avid animal lover. So she did the marathons for a photo. Uh, well done to her thank you so much have a great weekend everybody now free food Friday shout outs please for everybody ECI, JCB and Carrick Tool they've got the Friday feeling McCarthy's Meats and Grona Braher listening this morning everybody who is working at Sub-Zero Cryotherapy Charlie in Germany herself is German, Jeremy celebrating going back to school on Monday Natasha's listening in Clonic Kilty uh, Countrywide Drains and Dripsy cleaning the drains ahead of and have been doing so since COVID started. Everybody at Cupcake Cottage in Anglesey Street making everybody happy with the cupcakes. Uh, COVID Lab in the CUH. Myself and my colleagues would love to win some free pizza. Uh, morning to all of you. Uh, Jim and Mary Keating celebrate their 52nd wedding, wedding anniversary, both hale and hearty. RPC Haulage in Grenada are listening to everybody at Doyle Shipping in Tivoli. What else have I got for you here? Uh, the hardworking staff at Little Island Transport, MJ Flood in Little Island, Clona Dairies, um, CMP plastering. I can't get to all of them, lads. My apologies. PMC commercials in Ballonhasic. Uh, and we have a house full again, working and studying from home. We'd love pizza. Aaron, Cahill and Ellen. So the, I don't think I'll get an opportunity to do many more shout outs, unfortunately, but I will pick some free food Friday winners after these. Text the Neil Prenderville show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. All right. Free food Friday winners. Courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. Could we please put our names in for free food Friday, please? We are fishermen, father and son, fishing out of y'all on the boat, the K Paula. And that's Connor and Barry Clohessy who are listening at sea and have some pizza vouchers to welcome them home for themselves and the family. So we got uh, uh, four pizza vouchers for you guys to share and sides as well. Sophie, myself and the girls working in Verso Fashion in the Metro Business Park in Ballycoreen. Love Free Food Friday. We've been working non-stop. Pizza on the way for you guys. Well done, Sophie and all of the girls. Vivian Brown in Frankfield working at home since last March. Remember I told you herself and her partner have celebrated two birthdays in lockdown. So they'd love to be treated to some pizza um, and we'll sort you out there as well. So that's courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. Today is 65 Roses Day for Cystic Fibrosis. If you didn't know why it's called 65 Roses, it's because kids can't or had difficulty pronouncing cystic fibrosis. So instead, they came up with a novel way of getting around that and just said 65 Roses instead. So you can show your support by donating online at 65rosesday.ie. And a quick 21st birthday shout out to Tori. Um, wish my daughter Tori a happy 21st birthday. It's also her second birthday in lockdown with the poor kids. And that's how long we're in it, lads. That's why it's so important to roll out the AstraZeneca. Well, I rang me and Veronica, she's over near the leak. She said she'd had the jab and she was in bed for half the week. So all the way in Gary Hills. One last person, and I have to go. One last one. Here we go. Here we go. John Spanan. John Spallan said Cork people, they want this new vaccine. But more than any jab, we want revenge for skibberines. McDonough has rolled out the AstraZeneca all across the nationwide by popular demand, by special request. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.